All right. Welcome to another edition of Noster News, March 8th. All right. Nice mm-hmm. to see you again. Nice to see you, DK. How's your week been? My week has been pretty good. Um, it's been, you know, a little busy. One of those weeks where didn't have as much like specific, um, you know, deadlines or anything like that, but it definitely feels like somehow a lot of things accumulated. So. Right. How's your, <laughs> how's your week look? Are you kind of like, you know, in how much of your week is Noster versus Lightning versus Bitcoin? Because you're you're an investment professional for people who are kind of just tuning in. Yeah, uh, inv- investment <laughs> professional, um, early stage <laughs> VC or investor, I guess. Well, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I do think there's. It, it really depends on the week, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been trying over the last six weeks or so to clear out as much of my schedule as possible to focus on Noster. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, man, that could be a full time, as you know, that, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. basically a full time <laughs> job, right? So I mean, the last couple of days and it's, for me, it's not in my nature to even be on social media that much on my mm-hmm. phone. So it's kind of like, again, that's why I'm so excited to see us move past just the Twitter use case. But yeah. um, I mean, I would say I'd definitely spend a couple of hours every Monday and Tuesday now just like scoping everything in the landscape, mm-hmm. you know, seeing what kinds of notes are trending with people studying stats. But then, yeah, at the same time, you know, I definitely, um, you know, spend, depending on the week, um, you know, new portfolio companies are coming out for raises. So mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time helping pre-seed companies raise their C's or seed companies raise their A's and thinking about their decks. Um, a couple of companies I'm still trying to get over the, the finish line to fund yeah. hopefully pretty soon here. And then, you know, working on getting my, my own second fund out there as well. So it, it really just depends on the week. This week I'm starting to, you know, finalize some preparations for my second fund. Yeah. And so that's taking a decent amount of time. Uh, I have at least two companies that I'm kind of helping on the fundraise side. Mm-hmm. And then another one, you know, you actually know who this is. Uh, I've been trying to steer a little bit or kind of plant the seeds to think about going even harder into right. Noster. Yep. Um, so yeah, so all that and then kind of watching what's happening in, in Noster land day to day. Yeah, yeah. That's How great. about you? I mean, I, I know a lot of your time is you know, spent creating content now, yeah. but... Yeah, well, I mean, my my goal is to just kind of like learn about everything in whatever way I can. And so I think one of the best ways that I find to learn about everything is to try to invite people who know something they, they don't have to be the world's leading expert they just need to be you know a few steps ahead of me so that i can <laughs> get a little bit of uh you know more context on something so i just find a great way to learn is to talk to people and uh, and so doing it in public is great and uh i do find that i am creating a lot of video content and uh and i don't have good workflows yet for how i turn video into like published format so i actually have like a huge backlog of People I've talked to, super interesting conversations I want to share, but just haven't had a chance to do the kind of post-production editing stuff that I want to do. But it is kind of, it has been very, you know, Noster focused because that's kind of where <laughs> most of my attention is these days. Um, you like Noster? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Oh, but, but I wanted to ask you, actually, yeah. I saw maybe on Twitter of all places, mm-hmm. the, the social network that Sean right. named, mm-hmm. um, you were posting some videos in the back of a Waymo, I believe. Yeah, that's right. What that's was right. that about? Well, so yeah, it's it's actually kind of, Part of this, uh, so my wife has a Waymo access, uh-huh. and this past week, uh, so sometimes they've been doing uh, Waymo with a safety driver, mm-hmm. which means there's a person sitting there as if they're driving, but they're not really touching the steering wheel. And then uh, as of this week, they they um, dropped all the safety drivers. Whoa. So, you know, they didn't drop the safety. They just dropped the safety drivers. <laughs> so we hope. <laughs> so, so now you can actually dispatch these things to most most neighborhoods we want to go in San Francisco. And you can dispatch a Waymo and get picked up by a fully autonomous, you know, r- robot vehicle. Mm-hmm. And it'll take you wherever you want. 
And so we um, we had a friend over for dinner on when was that Wednesday night, mm-hmm. and we were like, hey, let's go do it. Let's go, you know, just joyride in a way most. We went over to Land's End and oh, nice. uh, and yeah, it was it was super fun. Like I mean, seeing how it works, even yeah. even if you thought about it for like a decade, we've been talking about self driving cars, and then you see it and you're like, you're in it and experiencing. It. It's like wow, this yeah. is it it it's like it brings a tear to my eye. Nice, it is so surprising. And I mean, I haven't done it yet. I would love to. What is the whole experience? Do you have to download the Waymo app for? Yeah, I think she. I think she has a friend who worked on it, so she kind of, you know, got in line. You know, got off. I think it was like a wait list or something. Um, and you, there's like an application. You kind of have to tell them about how bad a driver you are. <laughs> and then they give you an app, and the app looks a lot like Uber. Cool. You know, and so, and then, I mean, obviously, I know it's like very early stage, but. Uh, is it already substantially cheaper than Uber? I'm assuming in this first round, yeah. is that the idea? Uh, well, yeah. It's, uh, so when there's a safety driver, there's a fee that's pretty calibrated toward Uber. And then when yeah. there's no safety driver, it's free. Oh. It probably just can't. Probably some regulatory thing they can't charge for that. Totally. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's it's fun. We've been we've been on a bunch of trips with it, and it's, uh, it's great. So we were doing that. Um, and, and one more question, yeah. because I'm fascinated by all this. How far can you take it right now? Like if you wanted to go to like, I don't know, like San Jose or something. No, no. It's a it's a very restricted. Uh, it's only within San Francisco. Okay, and there's some parts of San Francisco where you can't take it. Got so it. there's pickup and destinations. You know, most of San Francisco is covered, but there's a few places that are not yet. That's so exciting. I mean, I personally can't wait until I can take that thing. You know, I I haven't driven much since high school. I can drive, but <laughs> I don't do it much. Yeah, but it'd be so nice to just be able to say, "Hey, I'd like to go to Big Sur or something like." Yeah, take yeah. me there, and hopefully it's twenty bucks. Or oh, something. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to happen. And then this week, uh, they just it used to be that you could not share any pictures or photos or videos that was like, don't share anything. And then as of this week, now it's please share. That's awesome. (laughs) So that's why you saw the tweet show up was you can now, I think that was the first day you could finally share the experience. I love it. Yeah. So we're, can't wait to try it. We're having fun with that. Um, so last week, I think when we left off Noster news last week, Mm -hmm. we were lamenting how we hadn't booked a place yet. That's right. (laughs) And so we turned off the video and Mike's, and then we sat down and did all of our research together and booked a place. That's right. So we've we've got a place. And I think part of booking a place was fun. We got to explore Uvita a little bit. Right. Because yeah. I I didn't know what Uvita was all about. I mean, I you know, I had heard of it only through Nostrica. So I started poking around on um on this map, you know, just went on Google Maps and and poked around a little bit. And then we started mapping out like some hotel options and mm-hmm. looking at how to get you know, how big it is across the place. I think it's, what is it? It can take half hour, 45 minutes to walk across town. So it's not like a tiny little place. There's, you know, it's a proper kind of, you know, more, more of a, yeah, it's a, it's a proper town, I'd say. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of cool. And then we found, I don't know how much we are supposed to say or not supposed to say about the (laughs) venue and stuff. (laughs) Well, I I would say maybe keep it high level, but you know, what's great is that last week props to DK here, because I didn't even think to like look at the actual map and see where the venue was going to be. All I thought was, oh, I'll just book whatever I can find the video before it all. <laughs> and so thankfully, what I booked had a free cancellation. Yeah. And so then we got to explore it and decided, you know, without revealing exactly where everything right, is, right, right. Um, that it would be awesome if we got a house together. Yeah. Um, a, because it'd be fun to chill together. But B, because then we can kind of have a space, a podcast studio, yeah. and invite people to come and hang with us yeah. and jam in real time. So. Yeah. Uh, mission accomplished. Yeah, yeah. We have a house yep. and our hope is that many of you guys and gals will be interested in joining us for jams on Noster. Um, yeah. 
And we're going to be a five-minute walk from the main venue, so it'll be easy to people to drop in and out, and we can totally. hang and jam and talk and meet. It's funny, because like, all these people we've never met, right? I know. It's <laughs> our <laughs> internet friends. <laughs> internet friends, yeah. So it'll be fun. And a lot of people don't have profile pics, so it's yeah. hard to even know really who you're meeting, and it'll be fun to just meet in person and totally. see... And so for anyone out there, if you're interested in doing a live jam with us, a live Noster news or specific topic discussion, hit us up. Hit us up. We're we're here for it. (laughs) Um, All right. So that is Uvita. I call it the Nostrica Airbnb sessions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Legendary one day. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So what do we, so we wanted to get started. I think you had a meme you wanted to share. Oh, you know, I don't know. As I like always poke through, uh, What's going on Nostra? I just saw the share from Jack. I don't know why. I just found this absolutely hilarious. Right. It's Jack with what appears to be a cigarette or something in his mouth riding on a uh, uh-huh. an ostrich. And, you know, by the way, I'm seeing ostriches more everywhere. I don't know if that's just because, you know, now I'm more attuned to them. Right, or for whatever right. reason, the universe is putting more ostriches in my life, uh, including last weekend. I went to like uh, some, you know, these like animated shorts with my girlfriend and they had you know, an ostrich, uh, we talked about this video last week, an ostrich uh, told me the world was fake and I think I believe him, <laughs> which is kind of like, like it's like a little bit like being John Malkovich of the Matrix, an yeah. ostrich tells this guy everything's fake around him, it's very like apropos for the world in which we live and what Nostrica, or what uh, Noster represents and, and what it does. But anyways, I, I just love this meme because um, it represents to me that like even our, you know, most famous user, Jack, is just having a good time you know, it's staying fun. It's staying punk. Like we talked about last time. Yep. And as long as people keep having fun with this thing, I think we're going to win. Yeah. And, uh, so I don't, know, that that's, that's just very emblematic of having fun to me. Yep. Love it. All right. So, uh, we've got a whole agenda of tabs here. Oh yeah. I was going to mention this as kind of part of our, our little warm up intro here. So I had a, uh, a friend who was, I, I don't, I forget if I ran into somebody on Twitter or who was talking about, yeah, somebody had emailed me about something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, talking about, oh, I thought that Nostra was just for social networking. We're doing this other thing, so it probably doesn't apply. Um, and I was, I hear that message a lot from people. So I kind of, it kind of inspired me to clarify via a tweet. Um, and I should probably also post a note, but this was somebody who <coughs> wanted to reference who's not on Nostra. Um, and, and I think, you know, people sort of limit what Nostra is to social networking. I think that's somewhat because, like, the GitHub references, like, a better Twitter and that's like a natural kind of launching off point. But um, what I was writing in the tweet here was <clears throat> every system of communication is a social network of one form or another. So whether that's governments, corporations, the internet, or mobile photo sharing apps. And so it's both correct and incorrect to think of Nostra as a protocol for social networking. When I talk about it, I usually call it a new architecture for publishing. I like that. And I think when you say social networking, people think, photo sharing, texting, you know, maybe text publishing, chat room, stuff like that. But I think people don't say social networking like the government or social networking like <laughs> a corporation or some other, you know, nonprofit or a standards body or something. But those are all social networks. Totally. Right? Yeah. So I would say, like, if you want to call Nostra a social network, I think you need to really broaden the scope of what you mean by social networking. Yeah, I love that. And um, I love thinking about, we'll talk more about this in the show today, but what are the future of corporations or governments yep. or DAOs or these things yeah, look yeah. like? Um, and I think there will probably be a lot of new social networks or structures that have never existed before. And that's very exciting. Um, I also think that it maybe sounds a little too grandiose. I know there's some some issues beyond just text with images and videos. But, I mean, we've said this before on the show, but it's like increasingly becoming clear to me. Like, I just think the internet gets rebuilt this way. Yep. Like, it's not just, oh, it's a social networking site or even marketplaces or whatever. It's just right. like, why wouldn't you store 
any information that's on the internet in multiple places in multiple jurisdictions. Yep. And I know today, like I said, there are certain rich data files or types that, that aren't stored that way, but there's no reason they can't be pointed to and that can't be solved in the future. So to me, I'm just thinking this is like, to your point, it's a new type of social network. It's just a new internet. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I, I was, um, I think it was in the conversation I had with Nout where he was talking about there's sort of two things. There's things that you want to be fully private and then there's things that you want to be fully public and not able to be suppressed. And right. And that he was saying Noster is really good at the second mm-hmm. and it's not really designed for the first, but you know, if it's not designed for the first, how do we make the first work? Mm-hmm. And I don't think we have like a credible architecture for that yet because a fully peer to peer system still has this problem that like maybe your phone's off or your battery's off or offline. So it feels to me like you know, something Noster like, maybe it's the relay architecture itself mm-hmm. could be, you know, extended or, or changed or, you know, some, I would hope it's not some parallel thing, but it seems like it's, it should be able to also help us like store messages that are meant for private consumption, but I guess which would have some other, you know, signature on it that would prevent it, you know, prevent the metadata from being visible the way they are in kind of Noster today. Totally. Um, Yeah. When you sort of broaden it to like kind of the whole internet being rebuilt, I think private communication is still important. And I, I I wonder, I mean, maybe there's people who've really thought about this or discussion that's active on, but I'd, I'd love to hear people's kind of best thinking on that because I don't know what the current state of like, you know, the, the, you know, the thought leaders in this space are. Totally. But, and, and even then, I mean, I agree there's a lot to solve there, but it's also not like the current internet, you know, is great for that either, right? Like right. most people, even if you're using quote unquote encrypted chat, you're still using signal servers. They right. still get a lot of metadata on you. I, I mean, maybe Nostra's leaking more metadata than they are today. Probably they are. I'm not deep in the weeds there. But my best guess is that, um, you're going to see a variety of different experiments. There will be a lot of this that's just over the major public servers. Mm-hmm. There will be some niche servers that you know are known for being more privacy focused, and like yep. maybe they have their server in Switzerland, and like maybe one day the data is sharded between three or four different servers, and there's servers, and there's like armed guards, mm-hmm. like wherever all that's <laughs> going to go, or, or whatever. It's just like very hard to find, more almost dark webby. Yeah, and then you're also probably going to have. Uh, personal servers, and this is going to be like the umbral kind of revolution where, you know, maybe I'm posting from my phone, but I'm posting to my own server at home uh, or my friend's server if you're running a server for me. And then I think maybe you'll also see experiments where it is still direct peer-to-peer communication. So Noster and the kind of like, you know, uh, client server client model will help you discover another client or another peer. And then maybe from there you do, you know, socket to socket communication yeah yeah so it's almost like the the town square the public thing is really only required for the initial connection or kind yeah. of the discovery of who's where or you know which which person i want to connect to and then you can kind of go peer-to-peer from there so you exactly avoid the centralized server issues but the key thing there obviously is that the beauty of what Noster does is it allows for that discovery mm-hmm. it gives us a simple private public key um you know naming convention And maybe in the future that ends up being derived from DIDs or something that's a little Mm -hmm. bit more um, transmittable. Like if you lose your key, I mean, I still think reeking is a huge thing there. But yeah, I don't see any reason why not. Like why Noster can't be for public information, discovery, and then peer-to-peer encrypted chat should always be an option. Yep, yep, yep. Makes sense. Um, This is a fun tech show. Okay, so I know we like to try to start by looking at stats. Yeah. So why don't we pull up the stats here? Love it. And then do you want to – how should we do this? you want to go – you said you have a few things you wanted to – Yeah, I always like looking for one thing. Um, Yeah, the daily actives is interesting. It's kind of remaining a little constant. Mm -hmm. I always like looking at – 
weekly active content. I like going down to the total users and just seeing where we are there. So if we only look at total users with bio, yeah, I think that's helpful. Yeah, so this is the one. So total users with bio, we're about 808,000. Okay, cool. So for context, I mean, you know, about two months ago or in mid-December, it was about 1K-ish and then exploded after right. the Jack Dorsey thing and then Zaps and all that and Ed Snowden. Um, and then it's interesting because like now it's slowed down a little bit. We're still growing by a couple thousand every day. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yep. Um, but it's definitely like, um, yeah, I'm curious question for you because you've seen other networks have gone through like periods of like, you know, almost like punctuated explosion. Right, and then, right. you know, how do you think about the growth curve? Like, is it going to be up and to the right forever? Like, is it going to be a month of silence, a week of silence, and then another explosion? Like, it seems like we're, we're healthy to me and that growth is crazy. Um, but I am a little surprised even in the last week that it hasn't ticked up again. Yeah. What, why, why are you surprised it hasn't ticked up? Was there some, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm so deep in this stuff and just so like captivated by it. I know, I right. know a big part of the answer is most people have like jobs and like uh-huh. other stuff, <laughs> but like, I mean, to me, it's just like, Oh my God, we're zapping each other on the internet. Like how is, how is this not just yeah. exploding everywhere? And it is, but you know, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm pulling up here, like the weekly active users. Like if you look at this, there, I think this is kind of telling for how I would think about it, which is mm-hmm. If you look back in January, yeah. there were 6,000 high-quality you know, bio public keys. and uh, Posting. You know, post, uh, writing events. Yeah. yeah. And that, that was way higher than the month before. Yeah. And then there's the exogenous events of, I don't know, is this hitting the App Store or something? And then there's like a trailing off again. Yeah. And you know, I think a healthy curve is just going to be, does each time it kind of has a a bump up and then it fades and then something else happens in the world that causes another bump up and then yeah. that fades. And I think that's kind of what healthy would look like. I don't think you want this thing like all, like it would just melt. I mean, everything's already melting anyway Yeah. yeah. and there's problems to be solved. And I don't, you know, whether you could want it or not, I just don't think you would expect to see, especially in a broadcast medium like this. Uh, I just don't think you'd expect to see like only up and to the right. I think you just need like, a healthy, active, continued interest. And then every time it bumps, yeah. it kind of fades to a higher level than it was before. And that, by the way, I mean, that's what's happened with Bitcoin, right? Like, yeah. it's not like it's been pure. I mean, again, zoom out, right? Like yeah, Bitcoin's yeah. like less than 15 years old. And it's so from that vantage point, it is purely up to the right. But, you know, you have a couple like huge run up and then a decline. But every new right. new high, every new low rather is higher than the last one. Um, so I think that makes sense. I mean, is this, is this when your experience, what you saw, how does this compare with adoption of like early Facebook, early Twitter, early Google even? Yeah. I mean, I, I think Google and Facebook were each pretty different because they were not really publishing platforms. So they were yeah. more, th- those really were more kind of vertical walls all the time with no ebbs and flows. Mm. Uh, and I think that's mostly because, you know, just like the growth of the, Google's growth was the growth of the web. Yeah. And then Facebook, because it's a private kind of, it's more of a private messaging use case. You know, it's a little bit of a public small group, let's say, but it was not a public publishing thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was basically, you know, vertical wall most of its most of its early days. Twitter was a lot more like this, which punctuated. was yeah, punctuated. Yeah, you know, I, I I'm trying to remember all of the things, but I remember like. Do you know the Hudson airplane crash? The, oh, yeah. The airplane crash in the Hudson River? That's one of the ones that I recall being, you know, kind of early in one of those punctuated moments. Like, it's like, you know, Edward Snowden coming on uh, on Noster. So I think those kinds of things, you know, Arab Spring, everybody quotes as an early thing, which, I mean, when I think about it, like, there were lots of other little micro moments that are not really newsworthy in a sense. But I think that 
characteristic of like the burst and then the fade followed by, you know, fade to a new high that, you know, the, the stable may be higher than the previous burst even. Yeah. Um, it may or may not, but then you have like some stability of usage and then there's, an, you know, just lives long enough that there's another burst in the world that causes a bunch of other eyeballs, interest, attention to, to focus on learning about this. And then it sort of fades a bit. And, you know, it's just that similar pattern. I think um, we did see, you know, my recollection of early Twitter is that it, it had that same kind of feel to it. What about early Reddit? Was that similar too? Ooh, early Reddit. I mean, Reddit, I, I recall, I don't have as, I wasn't <clears throat> as active on Reddit that early. You know, I was like aware of it, but not super active. I was using Hacker News. Oh, nice. Or, or Hacker News, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but but that's like everybody's kind of gathered in one place, and yeah. everybody's looking at the same stuff, and there's less of a network to it. Mm-hmm. It's more just a bunch of content in a single place. So that always felt like, you know, it it was kind of going in the same way. It didn't have quite the same types of, you know, bumps. Actually, YouTube had similar bumps. Though mm-hmm. I, I don't know that it had as much fading per, but... There were just like these moments, like Lonely Girl, you know, it was like I don't remember that girl like vlogging in her bedroom was like one of the big <laughs> early moments because like it was just weird to see another person on the internet in video just like sharing really kind of personal stuff. Yeah, um, and that that was kind of a moment. I think you know what was it? The Janet Jackson clothing oh, yeah. malfunction was like another moment. <laughs> just like these moments in these publishing platforms just drive a lot of like curiosity, right? Yeah. What I'm particularly excited about, though, and I think this is what a lot of people are underestimating with Noster's potential is, and by the way, I just want to also clarify when DK was saying like there's like 6K and then it went to 8K or 10K, whatever, weekly actives, that's that's usually, that's only the publishing. So mm-hmm. typically the rule of the internet is you have a roughly 1% of people are actually publishing. So that checks out with the idea that we have around 800,000 that are lurking, right? Yeah. Um, so anyway, so, but but what's interesting to me about that is you know, so far for Noster, there's really only the Twitter use case, right? Mm-hmm. And that's to your point. People are saying, okay, I hear about this Noster thing, decentralized Twitter. Maybe it's interesting to some people. Obviously, it is to at least 800,000, right. but a lot of other people, it's not. But I think what a lot of people are sleeping on is the super network effects here. To your point and to our point earlier about be, being able to rebuild the internet, rebuilding marketplaces, chat apps, all this stuff, is that all those new waves that are coming, the new different applications, don't start from zero. So whenever they have their exponential curves, yep. they're starting with 800,000 users, yep. right? So let's just say, as a hypothetical, that local Bitcoins or something like that becomes the next big right. one or whatever it is. Yep. Well, it's not like you're starting a new local Bitcoin site and there's no one on there. Yeah. Whatever the dominant one is, there's already 800,000 people that have pub keys, probably a lot of those, I think it's something like 200,000, already have lightning addresses now, yep. like pretty high proportion. Yep. And so every new application, it's going to be like its own exponential curve, but yep. they all feed into this other giant Nostra exponential curve. Yep. And so I think when the history book gets written, I actually think this thing is going to have like touch the world, like mainstream adoption. Yep way like i could see this happening like 18 months or something crazy yeah maybe that's a little mm-hmm. absurd but like because every single app builds on the last one so yep. you know let's say we're at a million by the end of this month or two million or whatever it is you know if the next big app takes it from two to 20 and the next one takes it from 20 to 200 yep. like i don't see why this thing can't just run yep yeah i think that's right i mean that's what's exciting about it we're building network effects at the protocol level instead of network effects at the application level. Yeah. I think that's a big deal because it means now everybody gets to play with everybody else's success instead of having to silo the success and then rebuild the success again and again. You actually just, you know, it's more wealth for the world in a sense, right? I love it. And by the way, that actually, this is just an idea. You know, I went last night with my girlfriend to this like 
talk. We went to you know the Long Now talk, oh, which yeah. I'd never been to before. But I uh, at the Long Now Foundation, yeah. Well, they oh, had it at SF Jazz, and it was you oh. know some woman writing about time, and you know it, it was okay. It wasn't exactly like my um, the talk that got me most excited, but I'd actually never been to a Long Now event before, oh. and so I was really excited just now that they're coming back to yeah. get back to them. And one idea that she did drop that really resonated with me and kind of reminds me of what we're doing in Noster. And I think is a fundamental difference that I see in a lot of the Bitcoin Lightning and Noster community and the rest of the world is this idea that basically is the pie fixed or not? Mm -hmm. And I think that so much of our modern economy, and I think a lot of this is because of the way fiat economics work where money is created out of thin air. The Cantillion effect obviously goes to those who are closer to the printer. Everyone else gets kind of screwed over. Younger generations are like, why can't I afford a house? Blah, blah, That's all been right. documented ad nauseum. Yep. And a lot of people don't understand why. And like even this woman was talking about, you know, the older generations can afford things we can't. And no one talks about the money printer, which, uh, you know, right. it is what it is. But um, I think what was interesting to me is, you know, what if you have this idea that the pie is never fixed? The pie is infinite. The pie can always grow more and more and more. Yeah. And that me having success does not preclude you from having success, but in fact can make you have even more success. Yep. And she gave the example of, you know, instead of thinking about, you know, she was going to this older woman's house who like grows various vegetables <laughs> and she grew lettuce, right? Mm -hmm. And she was like, this woman kept trying to give me lettuce. And my initial thought was, why are you giving me all your lettuce? <laughs> And then she was like, then I remembered, oh yeah, she has a lettuce plant and she needs to get rid of the old lettuce right. to make room for the new lettuce. It's not like, in fact, you know, then she can take some of that new lettuce and she can plant some of that yeah. or beans. She also used that example yep. and there can be more lettuce, yep. you know? And so I, I just think that, um, I don't know where it's all going to go, but if I had to like summarize the thing that excites me the most about Bitcoin and Noster, it is just the idea that the pie is infinite truly everyone can be better off yep. and everyone's success. And I'm not saying there won't be competition in certain fields or whatever, but like, I just think that if more people had this vision and attitude and lived experience yeah. that abundance is real and like, like your success really can be like everyone else's success. I don't know. I think that's the most magical thing that could happen in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think, you know, the internet itself has been an accelerant to a lot of those kinds of things. Like, just the pace of innovation and the pace of just sharing scientific knowledge and progress yeah. has become more possible, more like faster with the internet and with, you know, a site like YouTube that shares videos and all the world's information is accessible and you can just see things real time and know what the best in class looks like. So you can aspire to be that or to yeah. participate. You can even connect with those people. Totally. Those are kind of things we've seen play out over the last, call it 20 years. And I think it's not going to decelerate. I think it's going to change a lot. But it's going to, I think, accelerate the kind of abundance that we all have. And so I think the only thing scarce in the world is going to be Bitcoin. Everything it, else is just going to be abundant. I agree with you. Well, B Bitcoin and attention, human attention perhaps. But yeah. even then, even then, <laughs> maybe the more, you know, if you sit in meditation or whatever, like maybe the more your lived experience of time drags out. And yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I yeah. think it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. All right. Cool. Um, <laughs> we were talking about, we we're looking at stats and we we're looking at zaps. Mm -hmm. Do you want to pop over to the dashboard on the Discover Noster? Well, actually, even before we do that, oh, could we have... also go back to Noster event? The one yeah. thing I wanted to look at always is just total number of zaps and daily zaps. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I think this is yeah, fascinating to me. Okay. So daily zaps, and you want to net out the yeah, other stuff here? So we're just looking one. at the, I guess, yeah, it's kind of 
Yeah, so there's this is the daily this is unit number of zaps, not total zap value, right? That's right. This is number of like zap payments. And I just thought this was interesting again, there's like a little bit of an ebb right now. Like I think we reached like a kind of like manic moment about a week ago yeah. when everyone realized you can zap. And I've noticed in my own life, like I zapped less this week. I didn't stop zapping, but yeah. maybe if I sent twenty last week, maybe this week yep. I sent, you know, five or eight or something. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think that's that's unusual, but just interesting to note. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we've you know, we're at a partial day here that's what are we at? 5,000, almost 6,000 zaps. So we'll probably... How, how many were yesterday? Uh, yesterday uh, was about 8,000. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Real numbers. And then total zaps, obviously that's the blue line there. You yeah, know, so 153,000. There was a moment where it went almost vertical. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, but, you know, again, I think it kind of just goes back to what we were saying before. Like there will probably be some other next big use case. For example, I, I don't know who it's going to be, but some content creator is going to figure this out, mm-hmm. right? I don't know if it's going to be Mr. Beast or you know, um, a rapper or whatever, but someone's yeah. going to come on here and be like, yo, um, I can get zapped directly from my fans, some Instagram yeah. star or something. Yeah. Um, it'll probably actually be like some only fans. Like, <laughs> it is what it is, but yeah. someone's going to figure that out. And then there's going to be just like this giant next wave. Yeah. that's going to make this last wave look like a puddle. Yeah. Once, once word gets out that this is actually a credible way to monetize your own content creation, you know, then all the masses of, people wanting to create content and wanting to connect and wanting to sort of be able to make a living off of their content are going to want to be the place that's the best place to earn it. So I know that's like impossible to speculate, but just for fun, looking back at the end of this year, what note do you think ends up getting the most zaps? Like what kind of note? And if you had to guess how much it's going to be. So, so 2023, 2023 will be the characteristic of the note that, that gets, the, gets the highest, the highest total number, total amount, of total amount. And what do you think that amount is? Ooh, well, this gets into that topic that we haven't, we, we sort of dropped from the schedule because we didn't feel like we were educated on it enough. Yeah, that's <laughs> because, fair. Because there was, there was I, I think I proposed last week that we should, you know, at some point there's going to be the total number of zaps of the total value of the Satoshis on the Bitcoin network would get turned over mm-hmm. in zaps. And I think somebody did that as like a prank somehow. Mm. And I, I think it has to do with like the, how how trackable or you know how uh, irrefutable are zaps? And I think the answer, if I understand right, is that right now you can send things. The clients can interpret if they believe the thing happened, but I don't think they're like sending receipts or observing the transaction or payment. So, so, so I, and by the way, if there's someone watching that can educate us on this, I thought it was already in the protocol that you could validate who zapped, how much was zapped. Um, and so, yeah, I would love to get clarity on that and something we can dive into, but high level, let's just say all that's solved. And yeah, you can, okay. you can okay. know for sure who's zapped, how much is zapped, right. total amount zapped. What's your best guess? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it seems, I think the, it seems like there might be somebody that already has some celebrity or notoriety in the existing world who comes on yeah. and then, you know, create something amazing. So I don't know if that's, you know, that's a. You know, maybe it's a musician who yeah. you know people are already paying a lot of attention to, and and you know maybe drops a new song or something, or you know just says something fun or funny. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you know, like a. <clears throat> uh, it w- it wouldn't surprise me if it's. I'm I'm gonna call it. Let's say what I don't know what the. Let's call it. Uh, you know, at the time, whatever Bitcoin is worth. Let's say there's like you know, five hundred thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin. Yeah. Right. Yeah. By the by, the end of the year, sometime, and it'll just be a moment where people say, 
whoa. Yeah, totally. That changed content creation. I love all of that. And I don't know. I agree with you. I don't know exactly what it's going to be. I could see a couple of different ways it goes. One way, just like speculating a little bit. Yeah. Uh, on the musician front, uh, I think it's clear from some of the stuff that Jack has posted that title at Block is mm-hmm. looking very deeply into both Noster and Lightning Payments. Right. It's also clear based on some of their partnerships and Jay-Z being on the board of Block and like Jack's constantly sharing stuff from like Kendrick. I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe someone, maybe Kendrick Lamar or someone from TV, mm-hmm. Top Dog Entertainment, probably him, you know, right. maybe they get on there, mm. drop a new track. Right. Yep. If that happens, then, you know, I mean, I think at least a million dollars even, at least yeah. in Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, who knows? Then you've got someone like Kanye West who's a little crazy and <laughs> into Bitcoin. Someone like his, him gets on there to something really wild. Is he and, into Bitcoin? I've, I mean, I don't know the full deal. I know, um, for better or for worse, the funds he's close with are more crypto funds, but he at least knows what Bitcoin is. Um, and the man is crazy enough to try something wild. So mm-hmm. who knows, right? Mm-hmm. But but I, I kind of like that model. The other model that I could see would be some kind of um, funding, you know, which we'll talk more about some of the potential here. Um, but who knows? Maybe there's, um, I don't know, like a company, kind of like a Kickstarter type project uh-huh. that comes out and says, we're going to release this new product. And we're going to raise X amount of money for it. And they already have a huge distribution. So, um, you know, they bring their audience with yep. them and are able to crowdfund multi-million dollars to get this thing out there. Right, right. And and you mentioned OnlyFans. Like, what's your over-under on... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to touch that just because, I mean, it is what it is. I Look... I mean, because the internet is built on porn and gambling. Sex and drugs, too. Drugs, and drugs. porn, and gambling. But, right? but meaning like the... You know, I think back to like the <laughs> 80s, 90s, like the stuff that drove, I, I don't know if this is, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know the exact stat here, but my recollection is that at least in early, early Google mobile, yeah, the query volume that was porn was like 40% or something. Yeah. Look, I actually, I take all that back. Like all the stuff we say is likely what's really most likely to happen. I think both, right. I think there'll be like an NSFW version and right. an SFW version uh-huh. for, for, you know, the SFW version, we talked about some of that stuff on the, like on the NSFW version, I could see two things getting big. The first is, you know, some famous adult star or like whoever, let's say is like the top only fans earner today. I have no idea who that you is. Can pretend but, like you don't know who it is. That's yeah, funny. exactly. <laughs> um, whoever that is, you know, if and when they understand that they can go direct audience and make 30% more, yeah. that's a lot. Yeah. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see someone come out, bring all of their audience with them and say, I'm only moving my content exclusively to this platform where I'm going to make a lot more money. And that's going to bring a new giant wave with them. And I, you know, I don't know what the top zapped post is in that world, but maybe mm-hmm. it's more in this world. Um, because you just have more people that have lightning wallets because there's no payment processing. There's right. no like credit cards. So that's possible. The other thing I've, I've thought about I'll actually, I'm going to pause for a second there. Yeah. Uh, first shout out to all the relay operators who are sweating <laughs> about this possibility. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but also I think that, that what you're outlining with the adult stuff, um, I think has a, is a credible, uh, showcase of how kind of a first micropayment pay for content thing would work. Totally. Right. So it's like, could you somehow, could you post a message that is signed in a way that requires a lightning payment to, to be decrypt able to it. decrypt it? Yeah. That seems like it would happen. And if, if you do that, then you sort of give creators in that format, you know, you sort of open up the floodgates. So I think it all, it shows how it can be done with obvious use cases that people are already paying for on the internet, but have a lot of, you know, kind of a mediated relationship and you sort of unmediate that relationship. 
Totally. And, and then that starts showing like maybe it starts off with, you know, OnlyFans or whatever, but then it shows, hey, the Patreons of the world, like everyone, like why am I giving anyone 30%? Right. Or whatever it is. Yeah. So I, I agree with you on that. The other thing that I thought a little bit about, and you, you know, actually inspired some of this in your conversation with now, which was very focused on like privacy stuff and the dark web is like, you know, I, I don't know enough about this, you know, the security and stuff, but like, you know, you would think that some of these dark net sites or whatever may also do this at some point, but I don't, I, I hope it goes mainstream in a way that doesn't bring a whole bunch of like legal action or like right. whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's, I, I'm surprised that hasn't taken off more. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, do we have more on the on the stats dashboard you want to look at? No. I think Should we good. pop yeah. over to Zaps? Yeah, I'm always just curious to see what we'll notes are. We'll do a little top. refresh here and see what <laughs> this is. What's in, hot? What is hot? So this is 1.6 million Zaps, right? And this is from Sir Sleepy, and it says, nah, don't somehow, some way I think it just magically happen. Do you know what this is all about? No idea. Okay. <laughs> I will be zapping you. Oh, Semisol is the one who did the kind of zap spam thing that was kind of an issue this past week or two. I, I didn't is see that, that either. Oh, some people, I, I ended up tagged in this thing and it kind of got, it was almost like just zapping spam or, you know, <laughs> tagging spam. Oh, I did see a little bit of this concept that, you know, if, if like zap chains, maybe Camaria was talking about this, like uh-huh. if, you know, it's like zap of trust, building a new web of trust, <laughs> kind of like the old lightning torch, like right. someone zaps you, you agree to zap the next person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting to me, I guess the only thing, the meta note I'll, I'll make on that is the top zapped posts right now are people like talking about zaps. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. So I, yeah. I think that's actually a healthy dynamic. Like some people are like, uh, like actually some people who follow me on Twitter and you know, hear me talking about Nostra all the time on Twitter yeah. and then they become curious and then they come back with feedback. Oh, like everybody's just talking about Nostra over there. Like that's not a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's actually what healthy looks like yeah, in a new broadcast network. Like everybody on Twitter was meta tweeting, right? Everybody on Nostra is meta nostring <laughs> noting. Um, and I, I think that's just like, what a healthy new community looks like. I know, I know a bunch of other apps as they're new, like a lot of it is like, well, what is this feature for? How does that work? There's just so much new to it that you want to understand and all the people there care about it. So totally. And it's worth noting that it's not just meta Nostra, but also meta Bitcoin and lightning. Yeah. So a lot of new users. And I don't know if we already have this on the thing later, but you know, you, um, you mentioned that you, uh, you've gotten people telling you that they started listening to you and because of that have received, you zap them, they received their first Bitcoin ever. Like, yeah. That's pretty damn cool. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I'm, I'm really proud of that actually. Cause I, I do like, I do like to share the story of how, you know, what Bitcoin is and I'd, I'd like to help more people understand it. I don't want to necessarily have people get involved until they understand it, but I'd like the understanding to come first. Right. Yeah. And um, so I've been making a bunch of tutorial videos on YouTube. And so sometimes people bump into these tutorials around how to like use lightning with Noster or Domus or something. And then they come on, I tell them in the video, I show them how to tag me. And I say, just tag me with your, you know, issue an invoice, tag me and I'll pay you. And so I've been going around giving, you know, just giving people, you know, 21 sats or something, you know, just for fun. And, you know, I've had multiple occasions where people say, wow, I can't believe how amazing that was. Not only do I now understand Noster and Lightning, but this is the first time I ever held any Bitcoin. Yeah. It's just a tiny amount. It's fun. But it, I think it's good to just help people see what it can do. Mm. And then you sort of graduate up the, the learning curve and the path of like where it fits into your life and when you want to sort of get more involved is fine. You know, I, I wouldn't want to push that on people. But just to like as a demo experience. I am quite proud that people discover it 
and then they light up about it. Totally. And I see that again and again. Yeah, and in fact, there was another thread. Um, I don't think we have this one pulled up today, but on Stacker News with someone saying, you know, Noster and um, – oh, we do have it. There you okay, go. cool, yeah. So Noster plus Stacker News have been life-changing. Yep. Uh, and it's like actually like a very beautiful thread, like just this dude mm-hmm. or whoever is coming on here saying – that they've learned about zaps and stacker news and Bitcoin all for the first time. And like now they're going down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Now actually building my first BTC node and zapping on a daily basis. It's crazy. (laughs) And I think the, the public stats on, um, on stacker news have been also, uh, positively impacted. I think. Oh yeah. If we look at visitors on stacker news is worth taking a look where, where do we have, uh, maybe I don't have them up right now. Um, but there's, you know, I think it's been very productive, for yeah, there you go. For Stacker News, because of its kind of adjacency to everything in this this ecosystem, that's that's the one day. Let's just do like zoom it out to a week so we get a better better sense. But or, or even yeah, maybe do like a month, like month, maybe or month. Two. Yeah, because you probably need some. I don't know how the cyclicality and the stats are going to look. Um, but there's like you know, I think it's had a a big impact on uh, Stacker News and just visibility and way to participate there. Yeah, um, and I think also. If I recall, did we talk about this before? Was this recently that um, Kian is now saying, "Oh yeah, Nostra client, he's got a he's got a relay in yep. Booger." We talked about Booger, and then I think he says Stacker is going to become a Nostra client, and I, right. I don't know exactly what that looks like. I'm Neither do I. Curious to hear from him. You know, in fact, yeah, it'd be um, it'd be great to uh, to do another jam with Kian again soon, and after that, he's yeah. had time to build on this. But I know he hasn't been you know too private about sharing some of that stuff yeah. on Nostra. I don't know. Or sorry, on Stacker I don't know what exactly it's going to look like. But I believe he's one of the best builders I know. So yep. I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah. Maybe we can get him back out to San Francisco and we can host him for a session. Well, funny you mentioned that. We were talking about doing a little Nostra Jam next week before Nostrica. So oh. we'll talk more about that offline. But yeah. that could be cool. That's cool. Is And is he, um, did we hear if he's going to Nostrica or we don't know yet? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, he would have told us, but I, I haven't asked him one way or the other. I haven't, uh, I haven't talked to him about it yet. Um, Keen, if you're listening, come, come uh-huh. down. Come hang. Come down. <laughs> um, cool. You want to talk? Uh, is there anything on the no. zaps further? Okay. So I think we have next up the GitHub bounty. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think it was a while back. I, I feel like I've heard about weeks ago, probably, where yeah, uh, like Jack at least was a month. published. Yeah, maybe like a month or so. Jack was suggesting, hey, we should have a, you know, a GitHub uh, that's permissionless. And that kind of, you know, all the messaging of GitHub should be. Mm-hmm. based on the Nostra protocol and stored in relays and sort of all the censorship resistance that that gives. Um, and I think he, was it originally, what was the scale of the original bounty? It was like a hundred million sats? I or? think it was, yeah, it was one Bitcoin. One Bitcoin, okay. I think. And then I think, did he 10x that? Now he 10x to 10 Bitcoin. Okay, so he's saying like, this is so important. I'm going to put, you know, money, you know, sound money where my mouth is. Love and it. this should be now 10 Bitcoin. And we need a decentralized uh, you know, version of GitHub that nobody can take down. And I, I assume like the first thing you do with that is, you know, get the Bitcoin repo running off of that. Exactly. And, you know, I, I don't know all the details here, but I do know that, um, again, I try and avoid a lot of the legal stuff if I can, because it's just kind of depressing. So I, I do agree with Jack that in the long run, this is a very important thing. The thing that fascinates me the most about this story, though, is just how cool it is that you can, you know, kind of test the market in real time. Yeah. Like, okay, we want this thing to exist in the world. Yep. It's a hard problem. Yep. One Bitcoin. Is that enough? No, it's not enough. Okay. 10 yep. Bitcoin. Is that enough? Yep. Maybe. But I would imagine if in a couple of months, it's still not built, does he go to 50? Right. Maybe. 
Well, this when I saw him up it from, I, I guess I looked at the tweet more or the note more specifically. It was a, um, I think, 120 million originally, and then it bumped up to mm-hmm. a billion sets. Mm-hmm. And um, and when I saw him bump it up, I uh, reposted it with a comment like, "I'd like to participate in crowdfunding this." Mm-hmm. So like, we we've talked a little bit about crowdfunding and some of the some of the services like Geyser that support crowdfunding. Um, but I almost want like a very simple crowdfunding mechanism where, you know, a bounty can be that where I can contribute to a bounty. Mm-hmm. Right. And if I contribute, I think other people can also contribute and we can all come together. So it doesn't have to just rely on one person who's staking the whole thing, but it can be kind of more community driven. Um, and so I was I was tweeting that or sorry, noting that. <laughs> Is that what we call it? We call it noting or not yeah, ostering it. <laughs> Um, and I think, did you tag in the geyser guys? I did. Yeah. And so I, I, I feel in, I feel like people are kind of getting into, Oh, let's build these features or that. features. I was like, let's just do it on a note. Yeah. Like, let's just assemble the note and figure out what it is. And we can all zap well, each other, send it. And we talked a little bit about this, um, ourselves, but you know, I, I think Mick, the, one of the founders of geyser, you know, kind of asked, okay, yeah. what would that ideal uh, I guess product or whatever look like. And so I think your point is first version is just do it on a note. But as you start thinking about it a little bit more, like what, what do you think that ideal fundraising platform is going to look like? Like, for example, one of the things I know that he was really um, interested in is like, do you need that feature of all or nothing, for example? Right. Um, or, you know, I, I think both of our position on this was probably like in the first iteration, it's okay to have just like a centralized person that you pledge it towards yeah. who owns the note and you just trust that person. And if they rug you, then you just stop ever right. funding them again but how has your thinking evolved on what that would look like over time yeah i mean th- th- it's actually relevant to another topic we've got right, on the right, list. Right. so nostrocket <laughs> is in a sense a i think an attempt to start to understand some of those things and try to at least have a, a hypothesis put out that we can then all kind of try and collaborate around and see where it works where it fails so i think nostrocket which i think was I just saw it this morning for the first time. I don't know if it had been around a day or something. Yeah, I didn't see it until literally walking over here to this yeah. house. So. <laughs> but I think it's like very, you know, very hot off the press. <laughs> yeah. You know, very new here. So do, do we want to jump into that right now? Or? Yeah, we can do that. Why don't we do that? So um this is this is Nostrock. Let's pop up. I'm gonna pull up a um where do I have it? I've got it on my my list of things here. Oh nice. Um I'd only seen it in black and white on my phone. This is yeah. a nice color. <laughs> yeah. So Nostrocket, so this is a project website um, launched by G Sovereignty, who organizes the uh, Nostrovia podcast. Cool. So um, they do a lot of kind of more technical discussions around Noster and, you know, which new NIPs are coming and stuff like that. Um, so I didn't I didn't realize that he was also working on this project. I think he sort of put Nostrovia on pause for this a few days at least this week, and he's been focused on trying to, I guess, define how... Um, uh, you know, a, a way to sort of assemble capital for these projects. And so the the core idea here, um, I think the FAQ is kind of a, a good overview. So, you know, first up, like why Bitcoin? I think everybody understands that a lot of these, like, you know, a lot of people use the term DAO, right? A decentralized autonomous organization. It kind of has a little bit of a, a, you know, bad taste in some people's mouth because oftentimes it kind of commingles, you know, a new funding model with issuance of a new money, which kind of makes it awkward for people who are kind of okay with the, with the new money we already have that, (laughs) you know, that's sort of based on sound principles and stuff. So, um, so I think it's 
it's nice that it's exploring a lot of the good ideas around DAOs without commingling. It just like for simplicity's sake, money's you know kind of a new money has been invented. So let's just piece will build on top of that instead of trying to reinvent that part. Um, and he, but he talks about sort of how um, uh, you know sort of how he, I think he's basically proposing a model for how funding can work. And we talked about how bounties have this limitation that you're kind of, as a developer, you, it's a little bit of that all or nothing. Like I take the risk with my time. I see if I can do the thing. If I achieve the bounty, I get paid. If I don't, I don't get paid. And I think that's still kind of a feature of the system, but there's a little bit more of a, of a, of a, you know, this concept of a share Mm -hmm. in the success of the project. So I think it's designed somewhat as a, as an alternative or replacement or improvement on venture capital. Yeah. Right. Which is, you know, obviously, you know, your business is about venture capital to fund Bitcoin lightning and Noster, um, uh, services. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that, you know, those services are sometimes open source and they have all kinds of different contributors. And the goal is to be able to build something that you couldn't otherwise build in an open source way. Yeah. But, uh, when you build those things, if they can create a lot of value and they can capture a small portion of that value that they create for the world, then how do you sort of track and distribute that? And that requires a new type of, you know, a, a new type of like share or equity or security. I don't know. Um, but but I think it's interesting that that this it creates the concept of shares and you get Bitcoin for, like as a developer, I'm going to actually just scroll down to the um, this chart here. So contributors can switch between shares and direct payment with every expense request. So in, this is all hot, fresh. I'm like yeah. not super deep on it. But my understanding is you basically log a problem, and if you are excited to build something, you can claim the problem and say what you want to do. And then there's like a layer of people who can review your, you know, you can work on a solution. And I think he suggests that the solution should be uh, spaced, you know, kind of chunked in about six hours of something you could accomplish within six hours, Mm. you know, instead of like, you're not going to plan like the next, you know, nine month, you know, work stream, but what can you accomplish in six hours? And then you, um, I think you can, submit a pull request or something equivalent to that, you know, sort of submit your work. And then whoever it is that was proposing the problem and kind of organizing the problem um, can verify that you did the work or that it was like accomplished the goal. And then I think you can either take payment in Bitcoin that was all staked in a non-custodial way, or you can take it as shares in the project. And if it's shares in the project, then as the, the project shares may increase in value, like there's, there's no value to start with, but as the project shares may increase in value, you may be able to, that might be like a better economic risk trade-off than taking the Bitcoin directly. And how does, how are the shares created? Like, is there a, a, a set number of shares? Who decides when new shares are issued? Um, and yeah, like, like what is the, like, how are the shares valued? Yeah. Like, for example, if I say, I think this, I think my contribution was worth $10,000 and I could take that $10,000 valued in Satoshi's right now or in shares. Like, how is that set? Yeah, I, I think there's a market mechanism for that where uh, my understanding is there are some uh, kind of offers made. So shares are only created by approving an expense. Nostrocket projects revolve around shares. Each Nostrocket project has its own set of shares. These represent work that has been done within the project. Expense is only created in response to work done. So you do work, you submit 
an expense, and then you either can merge pull requests. You you um you get either a share or satoshis for that. But I think it's there's something of a project maintainer type role, like in the kind of GitHub parlance. Well, it's interesting. It says here also shares are always produced one to one per satoshi claimed in the expense. So a share is worth one satoshi, maybe. Yeah, I, I guess like. Uh, maybe the, to zoom out, the big question, and I think it's a good one that you're asking, and I don't know the answer, is that you need to have some sort of like definition of how things get issued, right. who issues them, what's the governance model for who's allowed to issue it. It's kind of the function that that a board would play right mm-hmm. in issuance, but it's trying to do it in a more like atomic way, so that you're you, it, you know I don't think it necessarily would be productive to replace every ambitious tech product today. But maybe something like the development of a new piece of software, you know, like a like a new like a decentralized GitHub or something. Totally, like- yeah. And so, I mean, look, I have a lot of thoughts, a lot of questions. I have yeah. not had a chance to go deep on this yet, so I'm excited to, and yeah. I'm, I'm so glad people are experimenting with this. So, one thing that I've been waiting to see for years now, you know, because as you know, in my last fund, we invest in a lot of like the Ethereum ecosystem. There's a lot of you know, excitement around right. DAOs. And, and yep. I think the idea around a DAO is like, of course, like, like, yep. like a, take a giant step back, right? We talked about in the show last time that there are a lot of pros to having a joint stock corporation in the United States. Yep. You know, a lot of those pros are that we have a legal system that's developed over hundreds of years. There's a reason everyone registers in Delaware. That's because that's where there's the most case law. You can get, yep. you know, reasonable certainty around how certain situations are going to be um, handled or not. Yeah. There's also a lot of negatives of being a joint stock corporation in the United States. One of those negatives is, you know, if I'm someone in India, how do I invest in it? Right. right. So it's very limited in the scope of who can invest. Another problem is the only options for liquidity, at least in venture capital, the world in which I play and you play to a degree, um, is you have to either have, you know, an acquisition by a large tech company or go public. Well, you know, what about the cases where, you know, maybe you're something like uh, 37 signals or whatever, where you have, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to go public. You've been very explicit about creating a solid tech company, um, but you don't really have as many liquidity options. Maybe people can buy secondaries, but even that, that's not very transparent. That's like its own whole world. And so one thing that I've always wanted, and I think this is what it's getting at, is you think about what is a share of a company? Well, all a share of a company is, all equity is, is a claim on future cash flows. Yep. That's it. Yep. And so you believe, you know, and again, I, I invest in the early stages, so I rarely do any kind of like financial modeling or whatever. But like, you know, as you get later and later in a, in a company's life cycle, maybe in a Series B or Series C, yep. you start actually saying, okay, well, like at sort of quote, unquote, terminal value or, you know, at some point in the future, what yep. kind of revenues do I think this thing can bring in? Revenues, obviously, minus expenses. Like how much money, how much profit is there to be made there? And so if I buy a share today when the company is generating, you know, $10 of revenue or let's say $10 of profit, and I believe in the future it's going to generate $1,000 of profit, well, then that's, you know, that's a really good opportunity for me, 100x. Yep. And so one thing that I've really been waiting for is, yeah, shares that are just claims on future sat flows. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that just makes so much damn sense. Like right. I know that I want to get paid out in Bitcoin and, and a nice thing about this Bitcoin native model is mm-hmm. maybe I don't want to touch the fiat world at all because I know in the future dollar denominated cash flow is going to be worth so much less because of inflation. Right. But I know I want to buy sats flows. Mm-hmm. And so, and by the way, we talked about this last time as well. There's going to be a whole industry of like niche industry of Bitcoin private equity that comes after this first, I right. thought, but maybe this will supersede it. And so I love that concept of having like, putting aside the term DAO because it's so loaded, maybe right. we should find something else. But like, what does a corporation look like right. that's internet first? Like, what does a 21st century corporation look like? 
And I've had some of my LPs ask me, and I don't have a great answer to them yet. It's like, you know, even though we're investing in all these, you know, Delaware C Corps, yep. generally that's what we do. Um, is that really the right option for a Bitcoin or an Oscar company? I, I think in 10 years, the answer is no. Right. Uh, I think it is today. But yeah, I think this is moving us in that direction. Of, now, again, then you get to the question of like, well, how do you adjudicate? There's not like mm-hmm. case law on the internet. Right. And I think it's going to take time to figure that out. Right. But I love this idea of what does a corporation look like internet first. Right. And I, I, I agree. I, and I'm interested to see this play out because I think it's nice to play out in a small scale mm-hmm. where the issuance is kind of low stakes and kind of, it's meant to be a little playful. It's not really yeah. meant to be corporations, but it's just like a way to play with the model mm-hmm. because we can try to, I think we could come up with a better proposal for what it should look like if we take a little bit of low stakes time to play with it without, you know, I think the, the trouble comes when you, you do, you know, you do sort of issuance that you're sort of trying to transact and sell directly, uh, you know, you can have problems with it. But I think if you do some small scale experimentation, you can learn a lot about it and make, come up with like a, a better proposal for how that kind of governance should work. Agreed. Um, and one thing I would just tell everyone is, and, and I like you love the experimentation. I mean, I've seen things like quadratic funding brought up, which, you know, maybe mm-hmm. ne- next show I'll have some, some more time to read up and discuss. Um, and I, so I, I love all the experimentation in the new, but one thing I would just encourage people that are thinking through these projects to also consider is like, there's a reason that, you know, um, I don't know, corporations evolved the way they did. And like, you know, even though there's a lot of problems, we don't necessarily need to throw everything yeah. out with the bathwater. And like, right. like, for example, one thing that I never really loved, although I could be totally wrong on this, I totally leave that possibility open, but like, you know, is it a good idea for everyone to vote on everything? Probably not. Right. Like, is there like a good reason that like, you know, boards, but maybe there's more transparency in how boards are elected. Maybe there should be, you know, bigger boards or smaller boards. I, I don't know. Like there's a lot to figure out, but, um, yeah, I would just encourage people to like both experiment freely, but also, you know, study a little bit about why corporate law and uh, structure evolved the way it did. Right. And I, I think one of the things I, you know, I think there's obviously all kinds of like really radical models that could be tried. The stuff that I am excited about is just the concept, like the, the joint stock corporation, was created before we had really good communication channels. Totally. And now we have really, really good communication channels, right? Everything's over fiber optics, the speed of light, it's internet. And magic internet money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, in that world, you could imagine new structures that should get formed, but I think the the core principle that I think is most interesting about this idea is trying to keep the timeframes of contributions very small yeah. so that it becomes like, a new atomic building block that maybe then could get composed into bigger things. Like maybe I'm going to do a six hour contribution. Somebody else can do a six hour contribution. And over time we're going to get, you know, hundreds of human hours of contribution towards something. And then that builds it up instead of the current thing. It's like maybe, you know, a corporation is trying to develop a piece of software. Maybe you sort of put together a nine month roadmap and you've got all these people sitting around trying to define what is, what are the features and, you know, what is the software and it, there's just like a lot of mess in that process. But if you break it down to like the atomic unit of like the six hour contribution and then try to figure out how to build up systems and probably lots of them will be wrong. Like, I don't think everybody's going to get it all right in the first time, but just like to be able to experiment with like, if you take six hour work units and recompose them into helping people do more together, like what can be achieved and how do you sort of align incentives? Totally. And I think the other big difference in this model in this world is just, it's global. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that's most exciting to me is I look at my portfolio from, from my first fund and like, you know, there's, I would say a lot in the U S but like, 
I think it's at least 50-50 international, at least. So yeah. I think this is really cool. One question I have for you, DK, um, uh, a little self-interested here, but like, you know, how how quickly am I going to be out of a job? Like how, how fast? I say that somewhat t- tongue-in-cheek, um, but, you know, I've always thought, and then to be clear, I think there are, you know, cases where really um, – you know, experienced connective venture capitalists are always going to be able to really, you know, at least the sort of the top of the game help companies or yeah. projects, whatever they're called in early uh, company formation. But at the same time, like I do think that going direct to crowd is frankly a better way to fund a lot of things and maybe even all startups in the future. I, I, I don't know. That's possible. I, I mm-hmm. remember, you know, USB jokingly, or I don't know if they were joking or not, but mentioned in one of their last fundraises, you know, this is back in the ICO craze and then all right, whatever yeah. came after that. They're like, this may be our last fund ever. And I was like, okay, well, you guys are probably a little hyperbolic and, and definitely on the wrong rails, but you know, 10 years out, 20 years out, maybe they're not. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. I guess, I mean, the time frame is kind of everything here. So yeah. like in the near term, you know, I think, I think a lot of like when, when you see such, such a new primitive, like Bitcoin, lightning, Noster, I think you can start to project like, where could that go? Like yeah. how, like how many places could it touch? And I think the answer is basically everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. But then if you wind it back to reality, like it, today, it, like these technologies touch almost nobody yet. Yeah. Right. Which is like both exciting, but then also like, let's, let's sort of figure out, it's not going to be next week. It's not going to be like next month. It's going to take a while. Right. And so what is the time frame? I think is really important. And during that time frame, we're going to see the existing institutions, uh, will probably stumble in different ways. And we don't, can't predict all of what those are, but I think we're going to live for a long time with the existence of these new technologies and the existence of the old technologies, let's call it, mm-hmm. you know, the governments and corporations are technologies in a way. And, um, and I think they're going to kind of live together and it's going to be a little bit of like a dance, a tug of war, you know, a, a carefully kind of choreographed, uh, and sometimes not so choreographed, <laughs> but kind of a carefully, uh, step dance. So I, I don't think, you know, I don't think you're, your role of allocating capital to ambitious uh, creators and um, and you know being able to contribute your network and knowledge and and experience is I don't think that's going away like it's certainly not going away next month yeah and I I don't think it's going away you got at least a month left <laughs> I think you got at least a month left I think two month time frame yeah. I'm guessing you're still good yeah. okay cool <laughs> but um I don't know man it's it's I, I'm gonna guess it's years and you know maybe decades. Yeah, because there's just a lot of complexity in how I mean, it's ultimately this complexity in how humans coordinate and collaborate, and even just like from a thought to an action. Yeah, we, we're not really closing that gap next week. Totally. And to be clear, two things I'll say on that: one, I would welcome that, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I am a VC right now, but I've been many other things in my life. I expect to be many yeah. more things in the future, right? So, like, yeah, and your fi- rap career can finally take Absolutely. off. Absolutely, I would love to have more time <laughs> to focus on rap. Great. Like, um, so if that happens, so be it. Amazing. Um, but at the same time, I do think that, you know, I think in a lot of questions about what is the internet going to do? What is AI going to yeah. do? What is Nostra Bitcoin going to do? The answer is, and yes, and yeah. yeah. like, it, like, I just think there's going to be, as we talked about bigger pie, more opportunities all across the board. And so, you know, I do think like, for example, in the last couple of years, we've seen a lot more of the democratization of venture capital because of stuff like AngelList made a lot easier mm-hmm. for me to raise my first fund. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Incredible. Um, and so I think that's been a very good source of new, both capital coming into venture capital. And by the way, venture capital is still an extremely small percentage of global oh, yeah. economy, right? Like it's like way smaller than, you know, private equity, yeah. um, structured finance, like bonds, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And so 
it's still a very, very tiny niche group right now. And so what we've seen is that as you've gotten a lot more solo GPs like me and other people coming in, great. But like, I mean, Sequoia is still here. They're still Sequoia. Yep. And so I think that over time, you know, maybe, I mean, I think, I think what this is going to do, and I think this is both like scary to some people, but also super exciting is it means more and more people are going to have to find the thing they're really good at doing. Yeah. Whatever that is in the world. And it's going to, it's terrifying at first because maybe you're like, well, I've always done this. Right. You know, I've always been, um, you know, if you've always been a VC and now it's like, well, maybe you're not going to the future. That's scary, but it's also exciting if you take the right approach because yeah. now you find something new that you're going to, but like, I think as an example, you know, you mentioned the network and knowledge and experience, you know, the, someone like a John Doe or whatever is still going to be very valuable with his networking experience, even in a world where you can raise direct from, you know, people yep. on the internet, right? Like yep. if you have a chance to work with him, probably, you know, it's a good idea to, to, to use that network and experience and blah, blah. And maybe, you know, the, the rate that he would charge is still going to be higher, mm-hmm. but it's worth it to you for all the extra benefits to get at it. Right. But if you're kind of like, a like more mid tier performer in anything. And this is what the internet's done, right? It's just been like the best at everything really, really succeed. And that's not to say that I think this also means that we talked about more cottage industry, the Kevin Kelly thousand yep. fans, but um, yeah, I'm guessing that it just means like the very, very best, the competition is going to be much harder for that. The best VCs or whatever in the game today, probably still going to be good VCs, but maybe there's some, you know, kid in India that's also equally as good and hustles harder. And like now he or she makes it to that list as well. And then on the other end of the spectrum, maybe like sort of these like middling funds die, which is a lot. <laughs> and then on the other end of the spectrum, then you see a lot more things that are not pure venture capital, but more of the Kevin Kelly style of, you know, you go and you raise directly from your, your fans and maybe some of those end up being venture winners, but the vast majority of those are more, you know, um, lifestyle type businesses. Right. And I, I'm actually, I guess that brings it back to one of the questions we were talking about before, which is there's this kind of Gary Gensler moment. Is it tomorrow or something? <laughs> but there's kind of that question, like what is a security and yeah. how, how should securities evolve in a way that is healthy for us as humanity to move forward? And I think a lot of the experiments that have been tried are maybe not so healthy, right. but that doesn't mean that like we just have to, like the whole world should agree to return to just exactly what we have. Like I think the main key thing in my mind is the atomicity of the work unit that can yeah. be sort of recomposed. Um, but, but we don't have the right answers yet, but it touches on those issues, which is why I think, you know, I mean, my question or any, anybody sort of around early stage technology is how do we help kind of galvanize and assemble teams and people to be able to accomplish more together? Yeah. I love it. Right. So more of experimentation. Good. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you met, uh, this Joseph Jacks guy. I I've not met him before, but have you, have you bumped into him? I've never met him, although I have come across him both from some of his just general open source writing, but also he was, I think the lead investor in Umbral Seed Round, um, where I, you know, put an angel check prior to starting my fund. So that's the only context I know. Right. Cause I, I, uh, we were, we were, I, I don't know him. I've not met, but we, um, we were trading DMS uh-huh. and I saw him tweet, uh, today. He said, what should be open source that is not everything i know <laughs> so i i said space travel and what did he say he gave me like a fire thumbs up or something um or maybe yeah maybe that was actually a tweet but um but i think it kind of speaks to a little bit of the questions that we're talking about because it's like one of the most ambitious capital intensive longest time frame type of projects that humans come together to do yeah so the reason i mention it is like almost to provocatively say like how would that work? Not not claiming it can't, but just like how would it? Because if we can solve that, then we kind of have everything else solved too. If this guy is down, I mean, I, I am very curious beyond just Bitcoin Noster and taking yeah. the limits. I would love to have a conversation around how far can open source go? Can everything be open source? 
Yeah. And what does a company look like in that world? On that point, um, this is something we're going to mention later, but I'll just mention it now. Jack put out a Noster, uh, another announcement from Block. Those guys have been crazy. They've got a lot of stuff coming out recently. They have their new LSP, which we mm-hmm. mentioned later, sequels, which is cool. Um, but even cooler to me was their MDK mining development kit. Oh, I saw you tweet about this, but I haven't. Yeah, well, I'll just mention it now. I mean, yeah. it's I, I I don't know any of the details. I just saw the whatever the public press release or whatever yeah, yeah. it is. But the general point was they're saying, look, like we have this goal so that anyone can basically to, to set a clear set of standards so that anyone can easily create their own miner. Um, and to do that, that means you need to be able to like basically use hardware that's easily sourced and have open source design to put that hardware together and software to run that. Like for example, the actual firmware that runs the miner. And that's fucking crazy. I mean, that, that's amazing because now, I mean, how solar punk is that? We get into a world yeah. where like, you know, maybe you have your own solar panels on your roof. You know, I've always thought it'd be very interesting that in the future you have your own solar panels and in the inverter, which is, you know, what, you know, basically converts electricity so you can use it in your house. Maybe you have a, uh, a mining chip and ASIC in the actual inverter. So in the future, you know, in real time and one day your house is connected with all the other houses in the grid yeah. in real time, you have an electron, you say, do I sell it? Do I mine it? Do I, you know, use it? Do I um, right. sell it to the grid or my neighbor? Anyways, but just this idea that. I love what it appears Block is doing and pushing the limits. Obviously, they've done a lot with Spiral and open source Bitcoin software yeah. development, but to open source the actual hardware. And, and Elon Musk, even though you know he's certainly uh, not uh, not on board the Nostra train yet, but um, you know I was always extremely impressed when he open sourced all of Tesla's patents. Mm. I was like, that's a very ballsy, but like. Mm-hmm you know, that move says, all right, like we believe we're going to win just by having the best products and this is best for the world. I've always hated IP. Like, I think it's amazing. The more, um, that knowledge gets out there, the faster everyone accelerates, but you have to truly believe. And this is what I'd be curious to hear, you know, Joseph Jack's take on given that he's only invested in open source companies. You have to believe there's still a way that, um, you know, your companies can grow the pie for everyone, but still, you know, keep a reasonable, slice of the pie right you have to have some in a sense that's kind of back to the securities question how do you own something that grows faster than just the pie itself because if if you can't own something that may grow faster than the pie then it's hard to get people excited to come together to try to work on that right like you need to have an incentive for human energy to come together totally um so yeah i think he does all open source i think we're i think we're meeting in the next day or two actually so i can drop in or we can uh, share the video once we've uh yeah made it that'd be cool um, cool. So on uh, on our agenda, can we pop over to badges? Mm-hmm. So this is a a new thing. So this I think it was was it bit fifty seven or fifty eight? I think it was yeah, one of those fifty seven maybe. Um, kind of defined the badges concept, and um, and I think the badges there's a, you know an idea that you could have something like a uh, you know something like a a hub of of a of a club. Mm-hmm would be kind of the hub of a badge. Like somebody creates a club, a badge, and then can assign it or grant it to people, and then they can accept it, and then it can show up on their profile that they're a member of that club. Yeah. That's the kind of high-level idea that's going on here. And so uh, badges.pages, or sorry, badges.page is the first one that I've seen in the wild where we actually have like a, a you know, an example implementation of it. Cool. So this is... Um, you know, a badge you, I just logged right in, not even with my proper keys. This is just, you know, a default view, but you go to badges.page, you can log in and then you can accept, you can see which one, which badges you've accepted with your logged in key, which ones have been awarded to you. And I assume those are like not yet accepted. And then there's the ones that you've created. 
and this is shout out to Carnage and Vebericha because they were the ones who built this. Cool. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think this is like a a very cool concept. Um, I was playing around with this, and it brought up a question for me mm-hmm. around Albi. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if I, we texted about this a little bit, but maybe maybe you can just clarify. So I haven't used a lot of Albi, and I'm mm-hmm. very paranoid about using my my Noster NSEC, my private key, kind of anywhere, just because I know, yeah. you know, as much as even everybody has good intentions, it's pretty new and raw, and yeah. there's probably gaps in you know security especially when pasting into websites. So they advise you to not paste into a website. Mm-hmm. So my understanding is the right way to do this is you install Albi, mm-hmm. which has much more history of security. So extension on Chrome. It's also all open source. Right, all open source. Yeah. And so it's sort of been you know banged on and everybody's looked at it for many years, right? Yeah, well, I mean, yes, like a little over maybe like a year and a half or something. But the Nostra integration, to be fair, is much newer. They launched sure. that in October. Okay. But then do I – I would store my NSEC, my private key from Nostra with Albi. Mm-hmm. And then does Albi need to have a, an integration with badges or does badges have to have an integration with Albi? Or how, how do they yeah. talk to each other? Because I, I, I assume that it's not just pasting it into my web page for me, right? That wouldn't oh, accomplish I would certainly it. hope not, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so to be clear, I'm not a super expert on this. Um, you know, the actual protocol and how it works. But my understanding is, I think it's NIP7, maybe. It's it's one of the early NIPs that okay. basically sets a standard for um, browser extensions mm-hmm. to speak with Nostra-capable sites and sign. Mm. Now, I know there's a couple of these. Albi is certainly the most polished. There's also, I think, Fiat Jav put out NOS2X, NOS2X. And there's another one I think maybe Block Core now has Nostra integration, but Albi is like certainly the the most polished one. But um, today the way it works is Albi either creates a private public key pair for you or you paste in your private key. Um, and th- I, I honestly don't know exactly how the standard works, but my understanding is they're not just pasting the private key in your um, on your behalf. Now, the thing that I'm not sure on is that there is another NIP, I think it was NIP 27 maybe, which is delegation. And that's the ability for someone that you do give your private key to be able to sign on your behalf, but it could be only for certain things. Like you might say, Hey, I'm putting you know my private key in here, but I only want you to sign on events for the next hour or only a certain subset of events on this website. Um, having said all that, I do think Albie is absolutely amazing world-class team that I'm very proud to have backed and work with all this stuff. But I'm also very paranoid about pacing my private key since getting hacked. And so I, I've only really been using that private key on my iOS with Domus right. since that happened. And which is, again, why I cannot wait for a Mac OS app that works with the old chip, with Intel chips. I cannot wait for someone to release that. But right. if anyone hears that, please tell me. I want to use it on my computer. Um, but I have been very paranoid. And I think Albi is by far the safest way I would imagine. Um, but one thing that I've, I've, I know that those, those guys just have a lot on the roadmap right now. They're kind of overworked at the moment, but delegation where, for example, I only put in my public key to read, that's something I'd be interested in or, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I I assume this stuff is just going to keep getting safer and safer over time. Um, but I, I do, and Boomi or someone, if you're listening to this, would be great to get even more explanation from you guys. I am pretty sure that there is you know, a standard for not just like pasting a private key. Right. Yeah, there, there must be. So then my, my question is, and again, this is, I'm super noob at this. I really have no idea what I'm doing. Um, I've got Albi installed. I've got the extension. I, I we're looking right now at 
the extension, my view of the extension, this is not mm-hmm. a proper you know website on the internet, but here I can see the Noster section of mm-hmm. the Bitcoin Lightning wallet, LV. Yeah, that's great. And it shows Astral, Blogstack, Iman.chat, Hamster, Iris, uh, Notebin, Snort, and YoSup. I never heard of YoSup. I like it. Me neither. <laughs> I hadn't heard of that either. So we can take a look at YoSup. Sup. Is this going to work? I have no idea. Oh, boy. Okay, I'm not going to... We're on a little yeah. bit of a rabbit hole. So let's not do NoSup right now. But but I would expect to see badges.page here. Mm-hmm. And if I don't see it, does that mean it doesn't implement it? No, or? no, 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 no. You can... There's definitely... Again, I forget the NIP. I think it's NIP7 or something. But you can definitely... So if you go back to uh, pages, right... You can definitely log in with Albion, and I'll create dummy accounts to do this just to be extra safe right now to play with. Right. But if you go back to pages, I'm looking for it. Sorry, yeah. um, then there's like a login uh, portion. This one. Yep. Yeah. So if you go log out. Yeah. So we log out. Okay. Then go to login. Login. Yeah. And then you go to go scroll down and you'll see. Um, we recommend using the extension such as Albi. And yep. so I believe what you would do here is you would just say sign in. And if you have it this says invalid NSEC, let's see, I'm doing this in real time. Yeah. I know there's a way to do this, but I think, I think what it would be is you have to have keys in here. So if you go to your Albi settings, okay, maybe if I had my, exactly. So in fact, if you go to Albi settings, I don't know if, yeah, you can go to the Nostra page on there and create a dummy account just to see it work. On settings. Okay. Why well, don't, yeah, I, go, I probably shouldn't do this right now. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, but the point the is yeah. there's a Noster settings down there. So if you just say, Hey, generate private public key pair just to play with it safely. Yep. I think what then happens is when you go to click login, it'll detect that. Okay. And then I it'll see. bring up a dialogue box in your, um, in your album. So it's all based on hopefully that NIP seven sort of integration already being present. Whatever that NIP is. Yeah. 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 Got it. Okay, cool. Thank but, you. but to be fair, I mean, I've used that in a number of different places with Albi, um, mm-hmm. using a variety of different identities and it's been pretty seamless. And, and I know, th- I know the Albi team is very, um, bullish on this idea of becoming kind of like the easiest way to log in and Nostra on the web. And I've been very encouraging yep. that like, guys, if you become the way people log in with Nostra, like yep. that's huge. Yep. And, and again, it's, there's going to be a lot, like there's other yep. competitors, but, um, I just think that's, that's where the web is headed like very soon. And even though I love logging with lightning, you know, we've talked about this before. I don't think lightning nodes scale nearly as well as just like generate a pub key or private key for, uh, for Noster. So logging with Noster is going to be big. Yep. Yep. Cool. And then on, uh, badges that page, did you mm-hmm. want to talk about the, uh, you know, the transferability around uh, yeah. badges? Well, so one thing I'll notice, I don't know how I did this, but <laughs> somehow, um, I was able to log in and view, with my pub key, your pub key, just like see various mm-hmm. badges that people have been assigned, excuse me, assigned. And it's interesting. Like there's like, yeah, like some of them were really fun. You gave me one for being on the, you know, um, Nostra talks podcast. And, you know, uh, I also got one for being one of the earliest members on Eden, which mm-hmm. you probably got that too. And yeah, so I, I think you see a variety of different use cases. I think, um, one concept that's very interesting is, how do badges compare to quote unquote NFTs? Mm-hmm. Um, one nice thing about a badge is that it's not necessarily making a claim that it's exclusive or that it's like, like the only one in existence. Right. And so, although that could work, 
I think, okay, a lot of the use cases you hear for NFT is like people make up all of this bullshit, right? They're like, mm-hmm. well, it can be used as like a special token gated to a right, community right. or it can be used to show like you can enter a private chat group. Like it could be used as a ticket for a concert. All these things I've heard people say for years yeah. and those are like the only things they can kind of come up with. Well, okay, fine. Those are all well and good. Um, but if that's the case, then you don't necessarily need it to be on a blockchain. You just need to have a trusted issuer um, or you know set of issuers that basically says, "Yep, this is issued to you," and then stored somewhere that everyone can you know validate you actually got the badge or not. And so, I think that the case of showing um, someone was an early adopter of something, or I guess on a podcast that makes mm-hmm. a ton of sense. I think the case of showing that you have access to a special community and as, and or like it's used as is used as a key to get into a gated relay or a gated private chat or mm-hmm. real world events all fine yeah. um but all those things can also be intro, uh, issued by a centralized party no yeah. problem and then which, it, which they are right these, well, these are a central like if i make a thing for Nostra Talks podcast yeah. and i assign you mm-hmm. as one and you get accepted that's fine it's just like yeah, you're i trust you trust that i and the centralized party kind of who's making that decision. If you don't believe in me, that's fine, but then don't believe in the badge, right? Yeah, like, yeah, which is totally yeah. fine. And actually that reminds me by the way of like, and again, I'm sure there's a lot more of this rabbit hole that I haven't gone down yet, but you know, the whole block DID VC thing, like mm-hmm. verifiable credentials, like their whole thing. When I remember reading about verifiable credentials and originally was like, okay, like, you know, not everything is going to be decentralized and that's totally fine. There are institutions. We live yep. in a society. We'll probably talk mm-hmm. Alan or a piece that kind of right. harps on this in a little right. bit, but like, you know, if, if we say, cool, I trust that, you know, Google is going to give out a badge to its first thousand users. Like, great. I'm putting my trust in Google, but that's valuable information for me yeah. because I think Google is a legitimate organization. And if you're one of the first thousand people at Google, probably you were a good, interesting engineer and blah, yep. blah, blah, or whatever. Yep. Um, it's a verifiable credential, just a badge. Yeah. And so I think that's interesting. And again, I'm not, I'm sure there's a lot more to the DID VC thing than, you know, than that, but, but that was what jumped to mind immediately to me. So then it got me thinking about the NFT thing. It's like, well, what was the real value of NFTs? And if like we can do all of the, like the gating and all of the like special recognition, the only thing that was valuable there was speculation trading. Well, well, there's there's the transferability, right? Exactly, and so, so and which which may like I I don't know how I, I haven't really thought about the use cases, but like are there use cases for like it doesn't make sense for you know me to create a Nostra Talks you know podcast guest assign it to you and then for you to sell it to somebody like or to transfer it even right well and so so this is where i was gonna go with that so the current state of badges are non-transfer transferable i think in the old like sort of ethereum parlance it's a soul bound token or something Mm. if you want to call it like it's it's non-transferable and it's literally a credential or something that's used to to get access to something all the nfts that claim that their value came from you know being a credential essentially their real value was because they were transferable you could speculate on it and there could be a market value and one could argue that a lot of the NFT market in the first place, like the art market in the real world, is just um, essentially tax evasion. Mm. That's its own topic. Mm. Um, but even if it's not, it's speculation and gambling. And fine, it is what it is, but call it what it is. It's, it's right. gambling. That's mm-hmm. all it is. Now, then the question becomes, to your point, you know, what do we need transferability for? Well, I think for all of the like recognition and credentialing and gating to specific communities, you don't really need transferability. Mm-hmm. If you need transferability, it's for frankly, the speculation or collectors. Now I'm not going to, and maybe there's other use cases, but that's like the main one that comes to mind for me. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm not going to make a judgment call on if that's good or bad. I'm not that interested in it. But as we've seen with the ordinals really taking off, some people are. And so I've heard a couple of people mention that you could have a separate class of badges, which are themselves ordinals inscribed um, on specific Satoshis. And that would be like an NFT transferable. Mm -hmm. So you could have both some rights associated with it and the ability to, um, to transfer it with transferability become, comes speculation, Mm -hmm. which I think is bad for a lot of the like real world use cases. Um, but if you wanted to do it, you could. And so maybe, maybe we'll see kind of both markets arise badges as, you know, like actual, you know, the real quote unquote utility tokens or whatever you want to call them, like Mm -hmm. something that actually conveys property rights with them. Um, and then you'll see the speculative market around kind of badges and FTs or badges on ordinals. That's my guess. Right. Cool. Okay. So it sounds like we've got badges. Oh, the, the, some of the negativity I've seen around badges, I wanted to get your thoughts on. So some I haven't people, seen any. What's that? well, some people say like, well, cause it just, because it addresses sort of a broader question around how this new kind of protocol or publishing should work, which is if you start becoming, uh, you represent yourself as a member of all of these you know, clubs and organizations that you are a member of, you start kind of revealing more about yourself. You, you're building like more of a social profile. It can be, you know, crawled and harvested and used in nefarious ways. So it kind of made me, you know, pause and think our, you know, I think our mental models again are very like, you know, we're sort of pattern matching to, you know, maybe how we use Twitter and we're starting to use Noster in similar ways. But I wonder as is there a whole new type of profile or are profiles the wrong way to think about it? Or are there like minimum profiles that we should create that get used only for like single use or kind of single context use cases instead of having, you know, sense, should we decentralize our own pro- profiles? Yes. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. There's a lot to, to unpack there, but I think in general, quote unquote profiles, probably not the right way to think of it. There's going to be some, general data repository that you have in the future, I think that you're going to be much more selective in how you reveal information. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that's happening in this first wave of badges is at least on badges.pages, I can see every badge that's issued to you, whether or not you accepted it in the future. I mean, like I probably like, who knows like what random stuff's is that right? You don't need to accept it. Well, there's two different columns or three different columns. There's accepted and issued. Oh, but I, I thought that was only my view of it. Uh, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, I can't figure out how to do it, but I logged in with your pub key yesterday oh, I see. and saw every badge that you had been issued. Oh, I see. Even I if see. you had not accepted them. I see. Okay. And so that to me seems kind of like, eh, I probably don't want like, who the hell knows? Like I have no control over that. So that's not something I'm super excited about. Um, but I think, yeah, I think what's going to happen is maybe you have in the future, maybe this actually goes back to like the DID and VC thing, like some like more like, like call it master key branch or mm-hmm. master identity branch. And you have your own kind of like central data repository that you either have a trusted provider, or maybe you store in your umbrella or whatever. And then in every different interaction you have on the web, you may have a slightly different persona. And maybe, you know, you have a site that's like a LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And on that site, you only want to share your like where you went to school and where you've worked. And like it's kind of another business that you, you know, were uh, at the concert or the club last night on Foursquare. <laughs> right. But maybe there's like a Foursquare site with your friends that like you want to show them. Like, so, so I think there's just going to be a lot more like you may have a central data repository mm-hmm. and then a lot more selective sharing and different kinds of experiences. Yeah, I wonder because when we talk about uh, publishing, the use of publishing is often to discover or search for information. I wonder if you actually were to flip the market and say like 
you could represent yourself as, let's say you accept the badge I awarded you as a, a, a guest. On Once I figure out how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and actually, I, I didn't create it with my actual NSAC and pub. Okay. So uh, cool. don't worry about it. <laughs> we'll do it the right way. Yeah. But once once I've you know, awarded that to you, maybe, you know, in the traditional world, we think about, oh, that becomes part of my profile and I like, broadcast that I am that. But maybe what you want to do is actually not have it broadcast and you want to selectively allow people who do a search, like if someday somebody searches and says, mm. show me everybody who was on the Nostra Talks podcast. And instead of them getting the information, that query goes out to all the people and people can selectively say, yes, because I've already investigated what the purpose of this search was, I'm happy to share that I, I'll represent that I do have that badge. Or you add, yeah, you might only let certain people that are searching, for example, you know, you may not want to be everyone to know that you were an early investor in something for whatever yeah. reason. Like, imagine this, like, imagine, you know, you were an early investor in Bitcoin, right? Mm-hmm. You, you were one of the first Bitcoiners. Probably don't want the world to know that. Right. However, there are certain use cases where it might be very valuable. Like if someone else was as well, or, you know, if, um, you know, you're, as an example, you were early Bitcoiner, you're interested in, in investing because becoming an LP in Bitcoin venture capital funds, like maybe you want to let a select number hey, of people know no that. ads show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, 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 but whatever the case might be, I'm, you know, the point being that like, there are cases where you want to definitely restrict the set of people that can search you. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. It makes sense. I, I wonder how yeah, all these profiles get, re- <laughs> get reworked. <laughs> yeah. And, and I also think, you know, um, yeah, I mean, like, what are all these experiences going to look like? There's probably going to be, like, new link trees. I know that, like, Vita kind of is trying to think about that a little bit. Um, but what does, like, what does your central social repository look like? Is that, if you you only view, like, what does that look like in, in an ostrich? And, and then when you layer in all the generative AI stuff that's going to happen, you know, any, anybody I know who's working or thinking about, working on or thinking about generative AI basically says the internet is going to divide into people who believe everything yeah. they see and then people who believe nothing they see on the internet. And in that world, like what does it mean to have a badge or a profile? Like I think if you're kind of in the, let's say the, I believe nothing camp of the, you know, how you consume, then you probably want to have almost like new protocols to be able to still like, I want to do a search, but the search doesn't give me a results page. It issues a query that I'm maybe going to get a bunch of pings back a day later from the people who've decided to reveal that fact. And so it creates this like, it's like this inverse of search in a way in that it's like you express your need and then the needs, the need expressor has their need revealed to people who might be able to solve the need. So you don't, we think about, oh, I issue a search query, I get a results page. Probably in that hmm. you know farther future version where you have all this generative crap you know, kind of fills up the internet, you end up looking more at the, um, you know, you issue your query and then you wait. And then a day later you get pings from the people who match your query, who've investigated you. And you've said, Hey, I'm willing to share this about me to the people who want to investigate my query, and then they can sort of come back. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I like that, that view. I do think that, you know, and this was your conversation with that, that guy who was into AI a couple of weeks ago. I do think that as generative AI, makes the amount of information go infinite much faster. It's already infinite, but whatever, a much deeper rate. The ability to sign with your private key is going to be huge. The mm-hmm. ability to do the value rank Satoshis and, and sort of like specific people that sent Satoshis associated, that's going to get more important. Um, so, so, uh, but, but I could see both. I could see a world where, you know, you don't believe anything unless it's signed by like people that you've already whitelisted 
or people that have tipped that you've already whitelisted. Yeah. And then, so maybe you still will get part of that as like instant results, but then you always find new people that reach out to you selectively that you would then whitelist for future results. Right. It's going to be weird. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's why it's exciting to me. Yeah. It's everything changes. We can't, any of these assumptions that we're, you know, rebuilding a Twitter like thing or whatever, those are just like us playing, right? We don't really know totally. what this thing looks like, but it's, it changes enough fundamental assumptions that the whole thing gets kind of rebuilt in a new way. We don't just redo the things we have. We like build crazy new things. So yeah, that's why it's just fun to, <laughs> to yeah. play and watch this unfold. As one random aside, going yeah. back to our, one of our mutual favorite authors, Kevin Kelly, oh, yeah. one of the things he mentioned in um, what technology wants is, you know, he has a whole chapter. He has actually a bunch of chapters, like for someone being so, and I actually feel kind of like this as well. So pro technology, he's also like got a pretty sober view of the downsides of technologies mm-hmm. and new technology adoption. Yeah. For example, he has a whole chapter in there on the Amish and how the Amish, mm. it's not that they're anti-technology, but they typically wait several decades to adopt. Right. And then they kind of ask a question, is this new technology like cell phones or whatever, does it increase our desired goal as a community, which in their case may be to you know, propagate the community more and keep the community closer together? Or does it hurt that? And then mm-hmm. they'll like let, you know, early adopters try, you know, the car or the phone, right. but typically it's, it's already gone by a decade or some amount. And then they'll right. say, okay, this person's a guinea pig. Did it work? Did it not? And then make a decision for the community. Um, he has another chapter in there, like on, uh, the Unabomber, which is its own fascinating read. And that guy, mm-hmm. for those who don't know the whole history there, it's quite interesting, you know, felt that like technology was about to swallow us and blah, blah, blah. But I, I think it's really interesting because um, it's something that I struggle a lot in my own life. I'm curious how you think about this, which is I love new technology. It's so exciting because I love being at yeah. the forefront. I love being part of the ideation phase and creative phase and seeing what can be built. On the other hand, I recognize that being an early adopter, for example, being an early adopter of Facebook is going to be like looking like, I think like uh, smoking cigarettes, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's going to like, we're going to look back, you know, our kids, kids and be like, yo, how crazy is it that like, you know, grandpa and grandma were just sitting there like becoming scroll <laughs> monkeys. Like I think there's a chance like a whole generation is just going to be like, you know, TikTokified, which, you know, maybe that's good. Maybe it's not, maybe I become a boomer, but like, it seems mm-hmm. like attention spans are going to get, you know, completely screwed by that. But it doesn't mean in the future that we won't have much healthier versions of the internet and social media. Mm-hmm. I think Nostra based. Yeah. Um, but yeah. How do you think about like being on the one hand, an early adopter and being at that exciting forefront, but also recognizing that there's a lot of danger in being an early adopter that, you know, just not using the technology in an optimally healthy way for you or society. Yeah, I mean, they're they're great questions, and they go they go deep. Uh, I wouldn't claim that my kind of choices are the right choices. They're just like what I've what I choose and my habits. But um, but I guess I think my curiosity always gets the better of me, and I yeah. have to try <laughs> new things. Like I just have to see how it works, what it is, ask the questions, learn about it, play with it. And I don't think you. I think I I think a lot of like early non-adopters, like they see something and then they have a bunch of questions about it, but they haven't actually used it. Yeah. Never seem to have what I'd say the right kind of suspicion. Yeah. Like, so I think the the way to develop the best taste and caution is to engage with the thing, not academically, not like, oh, Nostra, that's some decentralized blah, 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 whatever, but actually like create an account, set up your thing, play with it, see where it fails, see where it succeeds, see where the failures are existential, maybe you come up with something where you're like, look, it'll never work because X. Like some people say, it'll never work because it'll never scale. Like relays will just never scale. Well, I don't find that credible. Like yeah. I would say the structure that we have today probably is not the same structure that we'll have a month from now or a year from now. But I don't think we've run into like some sort of energy, you know, sort of, <laughs> you know, singularity that suggests that like relays can't scale. I think they probably can. Like I don't see any reason. Whereas with something like Mastodon, maybe you do reach that point because yeah. you have like an centralized administrator for each community. Yeah. But yeah. And, and so I think it's kind of like 
I have to be an early adopter if I'm going to be able to form an opinion. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't really form an opinion about a new technology like like Noster until I've really got my hands dirty with it. Now I wouldn't consider the same for maybe like space flight or something. <laughs> <laughs> but um but with these like information and communication tools, I think so much of it is about human to human interaction and how we are going to work with each other and how we're going, you know, how we're going to work with each other into the future. Um, so I think it's, it's, I'm a little bit more of just, I'm going to adopt the stuff. I think that if it can be built, it will be built. And if somebody tries to take the like safe, cautious route, somebody else will take the riskier route and the thing will still get built. And so I'd like to see where the upsides are and where the downsides are. And I want to participate. Maybe I'll weigh in with my opinions. I'll think about it. I'll try to understand the edges of it. Um, and I, I, you know, I just sort of like don't consider myself an expert at anything. I'm just a student of everything. Um, so I would try to learn about it as early as possible. So I can at least feel like I have developed the best opinion I can about it. Mm. And then I try to share the opinion and try to get feedback on it. And yeah, that's, that's kind of my approach, but I don't, I don't claim it to be the right one. It's just the right one for me. You would definitely be one of the, uh, the guys in the Amish tribes. It's the guinea pig. <laughs> <laughs> Send him in the self-driving car. Exactly. <laughs> well, there I am. I mean, exactly. I already done that. Yeah. It was funny. The, the self-driving car video, um, my wife took a video from the back seat and it was raining on, was it Wednesday night? It was raining and there were like windshield wipers going and uh, Matt Belez came back and he said uh, something, I forget, it's like, is that entirely necessary to have windshield wipers on a self-driving car? Oh, that's a great point. Like, oh yeah, like we could just be sitting in this pod and it's going to figure it out through its own sensor suite. It doesn't really need to yeah. you know, have a visual sensor go through the window. I guess they want you to have a nice view. Yeah, I think I think it's like to try to make it as normal feeling as possible. Like it's so wild that like if you can renormalize it a little bit, that probably helps. So as a random aside there, like also it's kind of weird we're at that stage in self-driving where like the form factor is still like a car. Yeah. Right? Like it seems to me like in the future, like if this stuff works, which I think it will, it's like probably you have like there's more efficient designs for vehicles, right? Yeah. Maybe it's like more like a bus or whatever. But uh, it's just kind of weird that we're still at that like Oh, like this is like you know, like the horses pulling yeah. the buggy or pulling the right. car kind of thing, you know? Yeah, it's it's. Uh, have you been to the Computer History Museum? I never have. I'd love to. Oh yeah, so in Mountain View, there's a thing called the Computer History Museum that all kinds of you can you know see like the old. I remember the first computer we had was an Atari 800. Wow. I think we got it in 1980 or something. Damn. Um, and uh, and they have that same one. I, I look at it with all the little orange buttons. It, I feel like I'm a kid again. Cool. Um, in in. At the Computer History Museum, they have kind of, I'd call it, it's probably a prototype of what the Waymo kind of vision is. And it's more like a pod where you have like two people sitting on each of opposite sides, but you're facing each other. Okay. So instead cool. of like the way most cars, everybody's facing in the forward position. In this one, like maybe two people are facing forward, but then two people are facing backward, but you're facing each other. I like that. And it, it just feels like a very different kind of pod experience. My, my guess is like for a bunch of reasons, like experiential and just like trying to normalize, like, you know, keep everything familiar except the one really radical thing, which is nobody <laughs> driving this thing. <laughs> yeah. That, that one detail. <laughs> and then from a, like, and so that's probably why like the windshield wipers actually make sense. Um, you know, and, and also just like there's big, you know, it's, I think Jaguar makes the car that, you know, was part of the Waymo, you know, they, they actually manufacture the metal and stuff. So they probably just have like assembly lines and, you know, car production techniques that they haven't really redesign that hardware piece of it yet yeah. but 
It's going to be exciting. Sounds like you want to start a, uh, a self-driving car uh, podcast. I just think it's fascinating. <laughs> I mean, look, I, yeah, I haven't gotten to do it yet. So maybe, maybe this week I'll try or whatever soon. Yeah. Um, okay. I've got uh, this. So we touched on uh, porn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we, we didn't get deep on gambling yet. <laughs> Take it away, DK. So, um, so, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of kidding, but also not like, I think there are, you know, gambling and porn were our early adopter industries on the internet because they're, you know, high value. And, you know, there's, I mean, it's like a lot of people discover that, you know, it's like a high value piece of media that people are willing to pay for. When I say high value, I mean that people are willing to pay for. And, and gambling is, you know, it's something that people want to do. Like, yeah. So, and, and they have a lot of problems with fraud and payments and all of those are sort of most acutely felt by those kinds of industries. So, you know, it has been the history of the internet. And so I think it's not, I wouldn't say it's like, Oh, it's a bad thing. I I don't have any value judgment about it. I just think it's more like it's gravity. Like it's going to be the first stuff to you're going to see. Um, I I literally, I don't have any opinion about it. I think it's fine, (laughs) but, um, but we're seeing now this, uh, so this is coin flip, which I think I just saw this week. And I think I saw a few different things that were, Related. Oh, and I've got a refresh oh, here. I love that. The quickest way to double your sats on Noster. Yeah. So a verifiably <laughs> fair coin flip game where you double your sats if you guess the result. And so I thought this was cool. I think I think I saw this on, was it Stacker News or maybe I saw it on Noster. And it, I think it was like somebody, the, the person who developed this, I'll see if I can find the name, uh, Noster Casino at getlb.com. Um, so I think they had just come to Noster and they were like, oh, cool, I'm going to just get my hands you know, dirty building something. And so they came up with this concept of you post at coin flip num sets to start a coin flip game and you bet the num sets and then a new game is started in your post thread. You pay the invoice for the num sets and then comment heads or tails. And if you guessed right, you'll be paid double the sets you paid and you'll be asked for a wallet of Satoshi address the first time you win. After that, all payouts will be automatic to that address. So that's like a super like simple concept um, but I think, I, I don't know all of the techniques they use, but my understanding is when you start it, they sign a message that then reveals whether they had chosen heads or tails right. is signed before they, before you make your call and they can prove that that's the case. They can hand it to you later so you can investigate. So, I mean, it's just atomic primitives, but it, but with Noster and with this messaging, it enables you to do this thing that like we haven't really known how to do it, a provably fair coin toss on the internet unless you use a centralized server which you know then you have that trust issue so it's huge i mean and look in the early days of bitcoin some of the biggest um you know use cases were satoshi dice i don't know if you know yep. that that was yep. literally a dice game mm-hmm. <laughs> just like this um and then obviously all the poker sites i'm sure that's gonna yep. get huge a yep. lot of early bitcoiners were poker players yep. right because they just like had to take their payouts in bitcoins on the way to it well now you can run you know poker games on Noster. Um, have you seen anybody building that? Or I haven't, that? but like, honestly, like I'm shocked we haven't yet. Like, yeah. I mean, there's so many Bitcoiners Seems are poker happen, players. Yeah. Of course it's going to happen. I mean, I'm it'll probably happen next month, <laughs> this month even. Um, so yeah, I mean, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah. So I, I, I just love this as an example of new primitives being worked. Like, I mean, the, the use case I haven't tried yet. Um, I'm curious about it, but I think the idea that we can remix these, just the very atomic primitives of what can be done. And then we can sort of build it into a little toy and then you can start to imagine, you know, poker is much more complicated than a coin flip, but you can, you can squint and see where this is going. Like totally. It's, 
you know, it's kind of. And your point, I mean, gambling always exists, no matter how much society tries to regulate it. It's there. So, yeah. Um, Cool. Did you want to, uh, did you want to talk about? Yeah. I mean, we've been going for a while, so maybe I'll just cover kind of briefly, um, moving. I know this is primarily an Oster show, but there's so much overlap with lightning. I think it's just important to touch on a few of the big lightning pieces from the week and on stacker news. Uh, and he also, um, actually there's a couple things I wanted to note meta about this. Um, one meta thing I want to know is he shared this on stacker news, but also shared on Noster and shared Uh the, um, uh, the note ID directly on stacker news. So I think it's interesting. You're starting Mm. to see the cross cross posting, right? Um, another meta thing that I just wanted to point out and something interesting uh, for Kian as he thinks about integrating Stacker News with Noster is the, um, both audience size, but also like some of the norms and like just customs around tipping or pledging. So right. here, I think how many sats did he get there? It's like uh, 1600. Yeah. So we got 1600 here. I want to say on, um, Noster, I should have pulled this up for him, but it was like, I don't know, maybe 10 X that or something, mm, whatever. Right. And so one just quick meta comment I wanted to make is obviously Noster has more users than Stacker News today. And I think as Stacker News integrates with Noster, you're going to see, you know, those two fuse, which is great. Right. But also, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I notice on Stacker News for whatever reason, just uh, people typically start off, you know, a year and a half ago or really got started tipping smaller amounts. I was like one sat and then 10 mm-hmm. sat. I changed my like um, default tip to 21. Yep. And then occasionally I'll tip a lot more. Like yep. every once in a while, if there's like a mind blowing post, I'll post 10,000 sats, but yep. that's like very special. Um, but for whatever reason on Nostra, I've noticed people are tipping bigger. I've found myself tipping much bigger, mm-hmm. partially because I'm not tipping from, you know, in Stacker News, I have some money in my Albi, transfer that to Stacker News, like account. In this case, I've just been doing it from Cash App or a wallet. Right. And so I'll typically tip at least a thousand sats, often 5,000, 10,000. I've even yep. done a hundred thousand sat tip yep. on Nostra, which I never would have done Stacker News yet. So that's just like an interesting UX experience. I don't know if you've had that too. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I kind of am the same. I, I, have been doing, I think I got accustomed just UX details. I got accustomed to the smaller tips. I forget what the default is. Maybe it was 10, 10 sets on Stacker News originally. Or yeah. I forget. Maybe it was one. And then they had the exponential yeah. thing. So I played with it, but I do find myself like, because I don't have to top it up again, Yeah. That and I happen to be using Wallet of Satoshi. I think there's a lot of good good wallets, but I've been using Wallet of Satoshi with Domus. And that experience makes me makes it easier to kind of just pop in like I'm, I'm sort of more thoughtful about the number because i'm looking at the number whereas on stacker news i'm not looking at the number which i think is actually a feature from the ux in one sense yeah i think i'd like that the bug of the, you know in the sense the bug of the ux let's say the ux bug of needing to look at it is not a feature agreed but because it exists and it's it exists for very reasonable reasons right now because it exists i end up uh you know, upping it more often on the kind of like Domus, you know, Noster, Domus, Wallet of Satoshi use case than I did on Stack News. And I think some of that's also social norms. Like the fact that Jack was a major early power user on Noster, and at least as far as we know, not on Stacker News, um, you know, he's out there zapping 50,000, 100,000. Right. And so that just kind of just like ups the bar where you rarely see that. So just a random observation, something I think um, would be cool as Kian, you know, observes yeah. as those two communities collide what that does to the tipping. Uh, yeah. Also, also the, um, the zaps on stacker news are similar to like an anonymous zap concept from Nostra, yeah. right? Which like I can send you sats, but you don't know, you know, the number that arrived, but you don't know who, who it came from. from. And you don't and see the comments and nobody else in the community can see who it came from. Right. It's very different when you put that in public. So as stacker news starts to think about Nostra integrations or becoming a Nostra client, like, you know, do you redo that? Does it 
mess with the community? Is everybody going to be okay with that? Like how, how should that work? Well, and it's also very interesting because you think about, so it's like you have all these different things fusing, right? So in addition to Stacker News, you also have the value for value podcast yep. and stuff like Fountain and yep. Albie's powering a bunch of those. And, you know, they call them, I think Adam Curry maybe coined the term boostograms. Yeah, and the yeah. idea in a boostogram is it's typically a larger payment, not always, but larger than, you know, whatever uh, yeah. a Stacker News click. And there's almost always a comment associated with it. And the idea, the real value for the, the podcaster is getting the comment, right? Yeah. And there's interesting yeah. anal- analytics around that. And so, you know, you've got Stacker News, whatever we call them there, like the lightning bolt, you've got boostograms, the podcasting 2.0. Now you've got zaps on Noster. And I know I actually think you were discussing this with Boomi from Albi on Twitter a week or two ago. So, you know, you've got all these different, they're all the same concept, which is I want to send some value to someone yep. specifically around a note and potentially attach a comment to it. Maybe yes, maybe no. Yep. And so, and, and Kamari, Kamari actually put this beautifully yesterday, what we talked about in our podcast a week ago. Uh, he was like that moment when you realize zaps are notes and notes are zaps. Right, it's right. Like, yeah. There yeah, go, yeah, baby. Yeah. Um, but but th- the point is, you have you know these different communities, and so how do they merge? Does one win out over the other? Do different experiences live? My guess is that Nostr just has more users than everybody else, so I'm encouraging my companies like go with the Nostr flow, just mm-hmm. because it's exploding faster than Lightning or Value for Value did on its own. Even though those are both growing solidly, but that'll be very interesting just to watch. Um, also, I don't know if you noticed this with uh, on my last couple days zapping. I haven't actually been able to set the amount. It's just been an automatic 1,000 sat zap. Oh. Um, uh, Domus. I don't know if that was a recent upgrade or... Yeah, because I know there was the there was a new Domus release, which we didn't talk about much, but mm-hmm. I think it had a new page that was inserted where you would it would be like a little selector. I didn't even see that this time. I saw that selector last week. Oh, okay. And then in the last day or two, I've stopped seeing the selector. So I don't know if I changed the setting, but it's just been zapping 1,000 sats. Yeah. I, I heard some people complaining about that page is a little too much extra weight. Um, I kind of liked it, but I says I'm like learning about it and thinking about it, trying to establish norms and habits. I found it high friction, but what I did like about it is I love leaving the comments. That was yeah, very fun to me. Yeah. Now it's like, I have to go and like mess with the settings. Like where'd my comments go? And again, right. it comes to this question. Like it's easier when I can just do one click, but yeah. then I lose some of that richness of the comment. What's more important. Yeah. So I, I don't know where all that's going to go, but that's all an interesting meta discussion. Um, what I was going to cover on this post from Alan, which, you know, is like right. in some ways less Noster uh, uh-huh. focused, but you know, basically he just makes the claim to like, look, there's so much in the Bitcoin community in a lot of, at least, okay, let's say not a majority, but a, uh, loud minority of people that are all about non-custodial. And if you ever use a custodial lightning service, that's like awful. And Alan just kind of pushes back here and says, look, non-custodial is great. Everyone gets it. Um, but let's take a moment to just recognize how awesome it is that even with custodial lightning services, you still get to plug into this interoperable censorship resistant, um, monetary network. That's still like a huge improvement over the old fiat system. Yep. And you know, it's not perfect. And I think we all want, uh, ideally as decentralized humanly possible. Yep. But this point is like, look, there's always gonna be points of trust mm-hmm. and kind of like with Noster, it's not like it's a perfectly decentralized system. Yep servers some will get shut down by certain governments but they all won't yeah same thing with custodial lightning services like some guys are maybe running it in places that are going to shut it down in their country maybe others aren't yeah and so i don't know i just thought it was like a very reasonable take on this like this is you know for me i i see both sides i invest in both types yeah i love non-custodial i love the breezes of the world i would love to see everyone truly get that experience right but I also recognize it's just easier to use Wall of Satoshi right now. There's a reason people use Wall of Satoshi. Yep. It's centralized. And like, frankly, I wouldn't keep more than 10 or 20 bucks on there. But like, if I get rugged on 10 or 20 bucks, so be it. And so I just thought that was like an interesting point from Alan that until we get to a world where 
everyone uses uh, non-sale and how we know when non-sale is easy because people will use it, I guess. Yeah. Right. Until that happens. I thought this was kind of an interesting pushback. Yeah. And I, I yeah, I agree. I think as long as the foundational pieces are there yeah. to allow people to graduate up to the fully Agreed. decentralized non-custodial version of the world. Um, I'm a little more, I'd say middle of the road on do Does everybody need to do that? Like, I don't want to stop people from getting to try something. Totally. But I'd like them to try it and then graduate up to something more later. Same. And, and again, this is why you know I've invested in companies like Breeze. Like I yeah. want to make it so easy yeah. that it's truly the same user experience. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't think you can argue with the fact that like almost everyone has a wallet of Satoshi yep. address just because it works. Now with those guys, like I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be taking that legal risk, and I would just assume yeah, yeah. any money you have with them is going to get robbed yeah. at some yeah. point. I'm not, I don't know them at all. They're probably wonderful people, but like, who knows if the government comes and takes their servers, like it's beyond their control, but it also helped a lot of people get started to experiment with stuff. Yeah. It's like one less thing to try to learn about and then you can kind of, you know, sequence your learning and then eventually go full non-custodial. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know too much. I've seen Alan Farrington's name around before, but I don't know, is he generally, what, what's his general vibe or perception? Are people kind of. Alan is a squirrel. (laughs) (laughs) that's <laughs> <laughs> no, fine like when i first uh, and that's his avatar or? yeah he's okay. got like a little cartoon squirrel and you know jokes about being a squirrel on the internet um alan's like remarkably smart um he um he's someone that i found actually a couple of years ago i read some of his pieces on both i actually don't even think it was bitcoin but like decentralized internet he was mm-hmm. writing about stuff like urbit which i found mm-hmm. interesting back yeah. in the day and just found him to be like remarkably um yeah eloquent guy very yeah. deep thinker he wrote a book called bitcoin is venice um, anyways, I think he's one of like the smarter essayists, um, you know, back in the day, actually he and Nick Carter used, went to school together and they mm. like in college were always like writing essays I back see. and forth and stuff. So I kind of think about him in that sort of vein. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm generally a big fan of his work. I think is he, is he generally kind of this sort of, what do I call like a moderate centralist view or kind of pragmatic, let's say, I guess. I mean, the funny thing is I actually always thought of Alan as being a little bit more like, at least compared to the mainstream, he's like a pretty hardcore decentralization, mm-hmm. freedom, free markets right, right. guy. Um, you know, in this specific case, I guess, you know, amongst the Bitcoiners, maybe he's more moderate. Got it. But I mean, I found this dude writing about Urbit back in the day, which to right. me was like pretty extreme. So, <laughs> right. And is he, um, is he on Noster? Can we, we can he absolutely him? is. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. I mean, Alan, if you're mm-hmm. listening to this, I don't know if you are, but, uh, hit us up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, all right. And then I'm looking at our list and I think we got, oh, we didn't do no store yet. Do you want to, oh. we did, we did talk a little bit about, I mean, we talked about Albi somewhat extensively, but I think we also wanted to talk about no store. So let me just pop up this. Right. And then actually I also want to touch oh. on one last op-ed as well. Um, uh, we have a lot of stuff we didn't cover yet. <laughs> well, we, we can skip some of this. Yeah. But two hours is going by fast. I know. We we're going to keep it shorter <laughs> today, but <laughs> not uh, where, where was, okay. So no store. Yeah. No store. You know, we were talking about Albi as a way to manage your keys on the web. No store, at least for now is a way to manage your keys on your phone. Mm-hmm. And so you can create multiple different identities and have multiple keys stored on there. And then it's, something that you can go and like use, let's say if you have an iPhone, go to your Safari browser and authorize, um, no store to, you know, log into various, uh, to various sites via, um, via no store. Anyways. Yeah. I tried it out. I think it's, it's a great idea. I mean, more ways to easily and safely manage your keys, the better. So I'm a fan. Awesome. Uh, I am going to give that a try. I haven't, haven't gotten into it yet, but I'm going to, I noticed it this week. So I'm, uh, excited to play with that. Uh, just well, one last thing I also just want to yeah. mention on the lightning side is, um, 
Jared, the founder of MASH, which is another right, yeah. browser extension yeah. for Lightning and stuff, he wrote a really nice op-ed uh, or essay that I liked around sort of micropayments. Oh, yeah. He kind of pushed back. Yeah. A lot of people, we've talked about micropayments a lot over the last yeah. couple of weeks. And a lot of people, you know, often cite this 99, 1999 essay from Nick Zabo, who's kind right. of a, you know, a god almost in the yeah. Bitcoin land, potentially Satoshi. <laughs> and, you know, who's critical of it. He then wrote a follow-up piece in 2007 saying, well, maybe micropayments can work in some ways. Anyways, I actually just, I thought it was a really good read from Jared. I think it's worth people checking out. His argument is basically like the infrastructure has gotten so much better for what he calls not only micropayments, which you might consider a dollar, but nanopayments, which are one cent. Yep. Uh, he touches on Noster, and I actually would go even harder on Noster than he did in there. Yep. I think that's what's going to be what takes nano payments mainstream. Yep. Um, but in general, I think it's great to see people, you know, questioning maybe something that was true in 99, but yep. in 2023, um, the technology has changed and thus the possibility has as well. So yep. I think I thought it was a good read. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I'll, uh, I'll link that, uh, in the notes. Cool. Um, yeah. And actually in my enthusiasm for it, by the way, is, uh, I think we have the technology that now lets us do a great UX for micropayments. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So it's like, the everything that can be done now is packaged in a way that it's easy to do, you know, easy ish, you know, compared to <laughs> maybe 20 years ago. Uh, the technology that, you know, allows for a better UX and also use cases, stuff yep. like paying for the relays, yep. which yep. just that wasn't yeah, exactly. even on people's radar 23 years yep. ago. Yeah, we didn't we didn't have relays 23 years ago. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, this cool. is a, a good stopping point. Uh, I still have yet to book my flights. Same. And figure out the bus or Same. overland transit situation, whatever is going on there. Um, so let's collaborate on that. We don't have to do it on the air, cool. but uh, we will do that. And hopefully next week we'll be actually Nostrica ready. Let's go, baby. Excited to see all y'all there. It's going to be a fun time. Again, if you want to jam with us, hit us yeah, up. Hit us up. All right. See you out. Peace.